Salutations. My name is Justin Lore. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 125 of our business, the spookiest ASMR podcast <laughs> in the world. I don't think anyone listens to this podcast for any sound experience. I don't think I that's... pray. <laughs> I pray to fucking whatever weird nameless God is taking me under its wing. Actually, no, that's not true. You know what? I'm not going to blow up any spot, anybody's spot. They're going to listen to this. They know who they are. There is someone listening right now that listens to us to help them fall asleep. And they take comfort in that. And Even I know when this, you're yelling like you are right now, they can still fall asleep. Because they messaged me on Instagram. <laughs> and they, they told me this. Yes, they told me that they find our banter soothing and comforting and it helps them sleep. So, I mean, um, you know, bless them. More power to them. I just I'm the one who's like watching your green bar turn red going oh man i hope no one's driving when they listen to this no they might go off the road or something i actually realized recently um because i've been on a big shoe shoe kick that like the sound engineer for like those early shoe shoe records must have been like sharky because like he's like shoe shoe is con jamie jamie carter is constantly like oh funny boy so tender and then just shrieks at the top of his lungs and I was like, oh, that's like me. Yeah. That, that's what recording yeah. me is you, like. I know. it's You're all quiet. And then you're like losing your shit because we talked about aliens or something or the. Or, uh, any, or just anything. Yeah. Basi- hey, basically. Anyway. Speaking today, of losing your shit, you should introduce our guests. <laughs> we, are in, we are joined by the emitable Dr. Brendan Foley. <laughs> uh, Justin, I don't appreciate you sharing my private message to you. On yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> But yes, we are joined by Brendan Foley. The I'm also mas- not a doctor, but I'll, I'll take it. The mastermind. <laughs> He's a doctor. He's a doctor. I'm a doctor of fear. The the, the brilliant mind behind Blackstone Dispatches. Yep. And also writes for Synapse. I'm sure a lot of people read him over at uh, Ed Sight Synapse. And, you know, Ed, you're also you're all always on Twitter like letting everyone know all your opinions about movies. Who, what is your- Justin? What are you doing? Are you looking at TikTok while we're trying to record? What's happening right now? I got a notification and I opened it so it would go away, and it 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 did a thing. I put my my phone, I threw it out the window. It's gone. <laughs> uh, Brent, Brent, Brendan, uh, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? How's life? I'm doing pretty good. And enjoying the best month of the year, which is a nonstop uh, run of spooky movies. Good times, good times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we're going to get a chance to hear more about any spooky movies that uh, you want to talk about, uh, because Justin has this thing where he asks, I don't know if you know this, but he asks what you've been doing horror related. And I've actually done a couple things, but not that much. So you're going to have to take up most of the time. Uh, but we will say this. Uh, Brendan, you chose two movies for us to discuss today. What are those movies? The two movies are James Wan's uh, new masterpiece, Malignant, I think, which I think can safely say is becoming enshrined as meat was me as like a new cult uh flashpoint in horror history it's kind of a, a real before and after to it 
And then Barbarian, which I think is uh, the first American movie to kind of capitalize on that, where people didn't want to describe it afterwards because it said it, it's malignant esque. I think there's not a lot of movies that are like malignant, but Barbarian is kind of the first when people are like, it achieves that level of insanity. Interesting. Yeah, I, 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 that is interesting. It's funny because I. I think this will be an interesting conversation then because I, on one hand, feel like it's true in the sense of like, there's a huge turn that I think you didn't want anyone to ruin for you or anyone else, really, Mm -hmm. you know, but also I think these movies are so different from each other in other ways that it'll be interesting to think of them as kind of like the the ways that they connect. I think I I agree. I think they are completely different in so many ways, but that's why I think it's so interesting that Malignant is so kind of one of a kind that it's become like the only, the only way to describe a certain kind of crazy horror movie is to say like malignant. Yeah. I think okay. Barbarian is kind of sure, the first sure, sure, one sure. to capitalize on that where sorry, because like, sorry, but just, but that, that as we, as we keep saying, like no one wanted to describe the plot of it in any way. So the only way that people could kind of get other people hyped to say like, it's the craziest American horror movie since malignant. It's, you know, invoking that level of, go for broke madness to kind of get people there. And it clearly has worked because because barbarians is a massive hit. Hmm. And it should be noted. We are going to be spoiling these two films heavily. <laughs> um, so if you haven't seen yeah. either of these movies, do yourself a favor and watch them both and then come back and listen to us. Fucking uh, shout about them. You know, this is, this is going to be a fun one for Sharky to edit. Cause these are two movies that he saw because I was stoked on them and then was mad at me later. So, <laughs> so this is, this will be interesting. He'll hear us, you know, just, to, I, I, w- I will say I, on this rewatch, I am less excited about malignant than I was, but I still think it's pretty good. Whereas he did not feel similarly to me. And so he was like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? And I was like, what? I liked it. I thought it was fun, you know? So, uh, but you know, barbarian, we had, a long argument about because I'm I'm still pretty hype on that movie. Was Sharky not hype on that movie? No, he <laughs> I he kind of hated it, honestly. I I think he, I think he felt like the the beginning I mean, we'll get into the conversation about this movie, but suffice it to say, there's a part there's you know, towards the middle, the movie maybe gets a little less tense depending on mm. how you feel as an audience member. That's how I felt is it got a little less tense. And for me, I wrote it out and then I still think the ending is great, but just not as I'm, I was not as surprised by how the movie wrapped itself up and we'll get into full spoilers later. I just don't want to open with full spoilers. Right, uh, right. What, I, I was not as surprised by the ending as, as, as I was by the rest of the movie. And I felt like it ended in a way that was kind of like, okay, I kind of thought something like that was how it was going to end. And I think that bumped him out hard. So he felt like the intro was was good, but that it's it kind of lost uh, momentum over time. And he felt like it, it just sort of ended in a way that was not very good. I, and I, I might be slightly misrepresenting. This was a text conversation and it was when I first saw it a while ago. So he regardless, he was not as excited as me, but I don't think he hated it the way that when I recommended Malignant, he really thought that we were from different planets. <laughs> I, want, I, I wish Sharky, I wish Sharky liked this movie as much as I did. Cause I really liked it. I know. Well, you know, when we were supposed to have, he, he wants us to do a, uh, Cinepunk's hard business crossover to discuss. Oh. Nope. 
because he that is a movie he really really loved and i thought oh that'll be interesting like that would be cool and and, and it'd be fun to for us all to geek out a little bit about something that we really enjoyed so all that being said we should thank some people i think right let's thank sharky well, obviously, we'll start. Well, since we're already talking about it, we'll start there. Thanks to Sharky and uh, Mechanical Shark Media is his media company. Um, he edits this show. He edits Cinepunks. But that's just a small part of what Mechanical Shark Media can do. Uh, he's building a studio, Bigger Boat Studio, where he'll be able to do green screen work. I get do, that reference. I get that reference. Because uh-huh. you're going to need a bigger boat. Yep. Do studio <laughs> recording. He'll have a have a podcast studio set up. Uh, he'll be able to do video and special effects work. He already does live streaming for special events. This past weekend, he just did a live streaming event for the uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu place where he where he rolls. Uh, he can do puppet work. He can do uh, digital effects. The the man, if you need it recorded visually or or uh, 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 audio he can both uh record it edit it and do like post-production work so mechanicalsharkmedia.com hit up sharky for all your media needs uh of course it's it's because his name is sharky like in jaws and Uh in jaws no i get it no 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 in jaws okay uh uh roy schneider he sees jaws come up and he says wow that's a really big shark what are we gonna do and 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 Richard Dreyfus says the lie. That's actually the Dre- lie. Dre- Richard Dreyfus says <laughs> Richard Dreyfus says we should get out of here and then go back and get a boat that's larger than this. Yes. And Brody says, "Hey Hooper, or Hey Quint, we're gonna need a bigger boat." Oh uh, yeah, that is your your recall, your memory. You thought recall. I was playing Jaws right now. You thought I was playing. I well, yeah. you often have played the character of Jaws in my presence, so it's I have, interesting. Yes to see you do the other characters the character from the character from the book where he eats hooper after hooper makes a cuckold out of brody <laughs> okay hey we I also see course, josh for is the first one good oh uh, it's it's oh man i mean i don't I'm, you know what i'm not gonna waste any more time joking about jaws uh <laughs> let's go ahead and thank all of our supporters on patreon uh there's uh, you know, endless appreciation for you, for your patience with us and your financial support. Uh, as Justin always says, uh, we, we don't do this to make money, but it does cost money. And your support helps us to, you know, cover our costs and make sure that we're trying to do this regularly and we're supporting people. Now, would we like to make money so that we can pay people money to do podcasts? That would be amazing. We're, we're still a far away away from that, but if people would join, I think that's the goal that we're reaching towards. Uh, we just pu- published a new episode of Lunch with Liam. That's the uh, Hangout podcast with me and Josh. Basically, uh, it, it's an opportunity for people who only listen to the podcast because they like us. They don't really care about movies, which is a weirdly large number of people. I don't like that. <laughs> Fuck it, those people. I I have no beef with them, man, especially if they're supporting us on Patreon, then I love them. Uh, and, and so we do this show, Lunch with Liam, where we just talk and people seem to like it. Uh, we can also talk about very specific things. If you're on Patreon and you want us to cover a topic that isn't a movie, hit us up. Or if you want us to cover a specific movie on Cinepunks, hit us up. We just did a episode recently that was uh, suggested by a, a page a patron and uh it was great it was a great episode so we really appreciate you uh i think we'll do that we could do that for harvests too if you're something you want me and justin to do we will put it put it in the schedule we'll put it in the lineup and, it, and it'll happen so head over to patreon.com backslash cinepunks check out the benefits there if you already support us on patreon and you're wondering like hey should i shouldn't i get a t-shirt or something 
hit me up because I, I still got some shirts left. I'd love to to send you one. So uh, patreon.com backslash Cinepunk, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Uh, there's one more. No, two more people we have to thank. Justin, who who's the first one you want to thank? I'd like to thank my mom. She is super supportive. <laughs> no. Um, I guess thank fucking Chris Reject over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Okay, look, look, Justin. We don't want to thank what? Chris. We don't want to thank Chris. We want to thank no. the amazing the amazing support staff at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations that take all of the insanity and the yes. dysfunction that is Chris Reject and spin it alchemy-like into gold. And that yes. gold is nice printed shirts at an affordable amazing price. Amazing printed shirts. Yes. Well and amazing printed. printed, amazingly printed Dr. Seuss hats as well. Yes. So In fact, you- I think they might be, <laughs> I think they might be transitioning to only Dr. Seuss hats. So yes. now's the time. You should contact them for your Dr. Seuss hat needs at www.xlvacx.com. Uh, this is going to be so weird because usually people don't think we're funny. And so Brendan <laughs> laughing is going to be a strange experience for both of us. Um, yeah, if you need like a t-shirt printed asked. for your, for your, <laughs> for your fucking band or your podcast or your softball team or your uh, tornado chasing team or whatever it is, um, <laughs> www.xlvacx.com. Um, and just make your order as complicated as possible. Yes, please. Change it. Like, m- let him, like, right before it goes to press, like, change it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to point out, too, that they are a screen printing company. And I only bring that up because we recently did a horror convention with Rough Cut. And people were all like, wow, these look like they were actually screen printed. And I'm like, yeah, they fucking were. It's not a trick. We didn't. We're not tricking you. We screen printed these shirts. And they're like, wait, whoa, that's so old school. And I'm like, is there another happening? Is there another method? Yeah, people, you can print direct to garment now. You can buy a printer that prints on garments like printers do on paper. And a lot of people do that and sell that. You know what? I think I'm not going to name names and I'm not going to name band names, but I got a bootleg shirt from a bootleg shirt company of a band from Canada in mid to late 90s their name is it's like a large like if if there was a large mass of bees like sure. some kind of yeah yeah like yeah, a, yeah like you know like a like a lot of bees like not like several thousand bees whatever you would call that is the name of this band and on the back there's a famous blues singer who's dead sure right and i think that's the way they print it's great it's a great shirt i love it you know but I think that's how they printed it. Cause I was like looking at it. I was like, this doesn't look screen printed, but it doesn't look like shitty and plasticized. It looks good. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever, this was meant to be an endorsement of screen printing. And now we're like, there's actually this other thing that's much better. No, it's not better. Screen printing <laughs> no, it's is not better. better. It's okay. not screen printing. Absolutely is better. Uh, and then we also want to th- thank our friend, Aaron Dahlbeck over at, Oh, we didn't say the website. Sorry. We have Valley apparel creations is X L V A C X.com. Uh, just a side note, Chris Reject is not straight edge. Uh, Fuck if, him. If that matters to you. Um, Aaron Dahlbeck, I believe, is also not straight edge. I, I don't know. But he does run a coffee company called EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. No. Eric Dahlbeck is allowed to not be straight edge. Aaron, because Aaron, Aaron. I said Eric. Aaron, Aaron. Aaron. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Aaron Dahlbeck is allowed to not be straight edge because uh, 
he wrote Count Me Out, whereas Chris Reject, fair, fair. to the best of my knowledge, hasn't done anything like that. No, that's fair. Uh, head on over to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com uh, for high-quality beans roasted to order, uh, high-quality herbal teas and stuff like that, as well as uh, garments, you know, all kinds of merch, whatever, whatever. Uh, as you order your stuff on your way out of the website, as you're strolling out of the website, go ahead and 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 stroll on over to that discount box type in c-i-n-e-p-u-n-x you're gonna get 10 percent off your order and not only that you're gonna make us look good so head on over sscoffeeroaster.com i keep getting people asking me like is the coffee good i guess people think that we are only doing this because it's aaron dahlbeck and he was in bain and that we but the coffee's like whack or something like a lot recently i've had people be like oh yeah i heard you talk about that how's the coffee like i just want you guys to know like I had the coffee before we agreed to this. I like the coffee. It's actually like the coffee I have most often at home. It's actually good coffee. I love Aaron. He seems like a great guy. If the coffee sucked, I wouldn't do the thing, especially because it's not like if I'm I mean, here's the thing, Justin, we've talked about this before. If we were going to sell our souls to the corporate whatever, there'd have to be some actual like money involved, right? Like someone would have to actually write a real check before I'd be like, yeah, man, go to Walmart. That sounds great. Walmart's great. You know, like if I'm talking about the coffee, it's because I like the coffee. There's no I don't have a bank account justifying me to lie to you about the coffee. Like I'm just not invested in, in lying about coffee for a friend. It's just not, that's not where I'm at. You know? All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever order the tea? You were going to order tea. I didn't know if you did or not. There's lots of things I was going to do and never did. Liam. We don't have time. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. This is less depressing than your screenplay. No, look, look, it's like that painting of that door. You know, the paint, the, the really sad painting of the door. And it's like everything I should have done, but didn't do. And you're like, oh, it's not a door. You're looking down at a coffin. Fuck. No, I actually have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds very sad. Oh, it's amazing. I'll send you a link to it later. It's like uh -huh. when I first saw it, I was like, there's something haunting about this. And I saw the title and I was like, oh, right. So anyway. <laughs> now <it's> <laughs> Now comes the point. Now comes the point in the podcast when I would show up to my Airbnb in the middle of uh, a, a apparently demilitarized war zone in the middle of Detroit. Um, and I would to cross the street from the house and don't breathe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I find, I open the door, I just, I, you know, I knock on the door and, and Liam answers, what, what are you doing here? But I booked it here. And Liam's like, no, I booked it here, but you should come in. Normally I would ask him, I would say, Hey Liam, before we go down into the basement and fucking Christ knows what happens to us. Um, I would ask him what he was doing involving horror recently, but we have a guest today. So I would take my phone out and I would call Brendan. Hey Brendan, we are about to die. <laughs> what have you done involving car recently? We'll get into it, but I'm curious to know if you guys would actually stay in the in the Airbnb in the situation the barbarian has. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, well, it's it's spooky season, so I've been watching as much horror movies as I can. Uh, that's programmatically correct. Why did it doesn't matter? Uh, so some of the big things I've watched for the first time are Mimic, you know, Toro's Mimic, which I had never seen before. Yes. I watched his director's cut. 
Uh, it's prob- it probably is his worst movie, but it's you know Toro, so it's still really, really good and watchable. And the director's guy is really good and gross and weirdly predicts a lot of his movies, even though he's kind of selling that film. I watched Practical Magic, which I've never seen before, where Nicole Kidman and Sir Andrew Bullock are which which is have you guys seen that movie? I I think I have, but I don't really remember a lot about it. It's wild. I highly recommend Practical Magic. It's the only movie where Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kimmon uh, murder a guy, bring him back to life, and murder him again. Uh, is the, the major plot of Practical Magic. Uh, I watched this cool movie called The Beast Must Die. You oh, my God. One? Yeah, the we did an episode it. on it. Like, you, yeah, it's <laughs> fucking nuts. It's, yeah, where the werewolf is just a large dog. It's a dog! I was gonna say it's 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 more of a dog who done it. Like which of these people will turn into an Irish wolfhound? It's a dog with a hoodie. <laughs> but it's cool. It's okay. It's good time. Uh, and then last night I watched Hush. Mike Flanagan's Hush. Uh, Great movie. Really, really good movie. I I I love Mike Flanagan. He he is the absolute man. I had not seen that one before, so I checked it out and I thought it was fantastic. And then the other. Uh, I don't know if you guys think it's, it's brand spanking news. This movie called Deadstream. I saw oh, that. Yes. Watched, oh, yeah. You guys saw that on Shudder? Really, yeah. really cool. It's, it's basically Evil Dead shot by a GoPro. Yeah, just, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't nuts about that movie. Um, huh. I, I like I thought like the, 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 the like the, the guy was a little too much. He's a little too much. That being said, the last like five minutes of that movie are fucking <laughs> terrifying. Like I was watching it, like ready to give up. And then I was like, oh, I only have like 20 minutes left, so I might as well finish it. And then like Mm -hmm. the last five minutes were like shit starts hitting the fan. I was like, oh, wow, they really this is like some imagery. I've like. It looks like something that would come out of a nightmare, like a lot of the things, just the way they moved. And I don't know, like. Okay, real quick question, though. How often do you guys actually watch YouTube influencers? Never, 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 yeah, never. So never. I actually felt the opposite. He underplayed it. He he should have been a lot more. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like I yeah, actually, I, I loved the movie. I, it was, it's, it's, I thought it was, I mean, it's annoying as all shit because it's an accurate representation <laughs> of what live streamers are like. Only it's, it's understated. He should have been more crazy. Uh, and I unfortunately know about that from uh, the fact that my daughter is obsessed with YouTube. So I see the kid version of this all the time and it makes me want to die. But uh, I was like, okay, the, the, I liked that occasionally he got scared enough that he wasn't doing the YouTube thing, but it really works. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I really liked it. Um, But again, it's, it's one of those things where I think I could only stream it. Like the idea that there were people who maybe got to see this in a theater. Mm. I think, this movie that that intense on a screen for me, I think it would actually I would be overwhelmed a little bit because there is something so manic about that kind of streaming world that especially those kind of like YouTube influencer types that like seeing it on a big screen, I think I would have been too annoyed, even though I think that's an accurate representation of what that world is like. I don't think I could put up with it long enough to get to the good stuff. You know what I mean? I would just get mm-hmm. frustrated. I think on my TV was fine. I kind of wished when it was over, I had streamed it on my laptop. I feel like mm-hmm. watching it on a laptop in bed would just feel so accurate to what it's like to watch something like that, that 
I think that would have been cool. But I just watched it on my TV and I had a lot of fun with it. I'll share more thoughts on the next episode of Cinepunks, where we are going to be discussing <laughs> that movie and the new Hellraiser. Well, you can mm, tell Josh yet. Alvarez to go fuck himself because I didn't <laughs> fucking like that movie. And I'm going on record saying it. Don't even mention the fact that I said the last part scared me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, you All right, liked Brendan, it. Don't lie, you whatever. liked it. I mean, there was the one part where he said ghosts hide in closets, and I don't know why, but that like got like a that like kind of like yanked uh, a laugh out of me. See, every time he said something stupid, it made me it did make me laugh. But like <laughs> only because I was like, oh, this guy is such a jerk off. Like it's I, I do think I don't want a new trend of like, here's a movie where everyone is or not everyone, but you know, this character is such a jerk off, you're just waiting for bad shit to happen to him the whole movie. Like I don't want that all the time. But in this case, I was kind of sold on it. But there's I, there's something really special about movies. Like here's a terrible person. We're just gonna put them through the ringer for ninety minutes. And just gonna delight in their in their horrible treatment. There is it's it's a really tough thing to pull off. Yeah. But if you pull it off, it's pretty magic. And I think Deadstream does do that. I think I think though sometimes people go for something a, a plot like that because they're not interested in character development. So they just mm-hmm. like cast a bunch of static assholes that never have mm-hmm. to like respond mm-hmm. this guy actually is going through stuff but the, the whoever created the script which i guess is the guy who's in it right he directed it and and starred in it he was mm-hmm. smart enough to be like yeah this guy goes through a change but i'm gonna make it clear that his big catharsis is meaningless he's still a jerk off like he has an actual <laughs> moment in which the on one hand i believe he thinks he's going through something meaningful but the script lets you know no, this guy still sucks. Like, yes, this is a meaningful moment for him, but don't like this person. And I was like, good, I don't like him. So way to go. Thank you. You know what you I like this closest movie? To? What? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's closest to uh, not to listen to a Deadstream episode? It's kind of similar to 1408 with John Cusack. Oh, okay. John Cusack is a, just a, a miserable, cynical prick in a haunted hotel room getting traumatized for two hours. And that movie very famously has like seven endings. And I think part of the problem with that, what they might have had is that it's like, right, what is the right ending? Does he learn a lesson? Does he die? Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, like how, do you, how do you make a movie about a fairly unsympathetic character going through the ringer and how do you then uh, close it out correctly? I think, I think it's really tough to do. Uh, and I think, Dead, I, think I, I really like Deadstream. I think that they did a, they know what they have to do, which is, yeah, like you say, Liam, they... They, the character is unlikable enough that you get to revel in his suffering, but also he is a dramatic character who changes and grows in interesting ways. So he's, he's compelling to watch. Uh, you're not just like, oh, God, this guy. All right, let's not. We'll let's keep not going on. here. Dang. Yeah, because Justin's getting mad at us for talking about this movie he doesn't like. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Brendan, what else did you do, horror? Anything else you want to bring up? Uh, I'll. I also watched a, a new movie on Shutter called Watcher. I don't know if you guys saw that one. Starring Micah Monroe. Yeah, I, I was a little disappointed in it. Uh, it's very, very well made, and she's excellent. It was a little one note for my taste. It's just, you know what I mean? You know, it's just that it's kind of her being... She, something creepy happens, she reports it, no one believes her, and that just kind of keeps happening for 90 minutes. Yeah. And I, I understand... To try to you know capture the, the powerlessness of that character, but I was kind of waiting for the movie to, to have some kind of turn, and it doesn't really have one. Does that I, make sense? I I will say I feel what you're saying because mm-hmm. I did feel that anxiety the whole time that there was going to be this turn, and the turn doesn't really come 
but I actually, I actually appreciate that about it because mm-hmm. I was worried that whatever was going to happen, that it was going to make me like the movie less. So I had anxiety mm-hmm. that like, oh man, there's <laughs> going to be some strange thing and they it's going to, yeah, they're really going to blow it. And I didn't think they did. And I, and I agree. It's a bit one note, but I think I also feel like it really does represent the way mm-hmm. that a lot of women feel in the world, which tends to be one awful note over and over right, again. So yeah. I kind of appreciate that anxiety of it, but I do think like, you know, mileage may vary for some viewers. Like I definitely have friends who were kind of the same as you felt like it was a little bit samey for them. And other people mm-hmm. were like, Oh my God, that movie fucked me up because they really connected <laughs> with it. So, you know, I think, it, I think it depends, but for me, I, I definitely liked it a lot and I really like her. I'm glad she's in another, I just feel like she went away for a while, right? Michael Monroe after uh, she she did the Independence Day sequel, which I think was kind of supposed to be her big movie star thing, and then that movie was terrible, and no one saw it. And then she kind of just disappeared for a little bit. Well, I'm glad she's back because I think she's regardless of how people, you know, individual people may feel differently about the movie, her performance is amazing. Period. Like I just think she's really good. And, and, and Independence say, Day Resurgence. Yeah, she's the prison's daughter in that movie. No, no, Liam, you're saying her performance in Independence Day was no, I didn't. You know I didn't see that fucking movie, and I won't see that fucking movie, because I don't, I don't care enough about the classic that's launching this terrible sequel to then put myself through the terrible sequel. Stop, stop, <laughs> Brendan, you were saying, you were saying, go on. I was just going to kind of echo what you said about Deshing, which is that, you know, Watcher is a, is a well-made movie, but it didn't quite grab me. It has a fantastic ending. Sure. The last, yeah, yeah, yeah. the last 10, 15 minutes are terrifying and visceral. It has a really, really satisfying conclusion. So I do recommend it. I, I was a little bit, I was very excited to watch that movie and I was a little let down. That's all. Um, and the last thing that we can talk about, if you guys, is I watched Yellow Jackets last month. Oh, I want to oh, watch that it. so bad. Love it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so freaking good. I got to watch it. <laughs> and I can't, I, 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 I thought it was fantastic. I can't believe how successful it is given how full blood horror it is. It is dark and disturbing and wonderful horror. And for some reason, it's a giant hit. It was not only for a bunch of Emmys. <laughs> I don't know what's happening in culture to allow this to happen, but I love that it exists that it's excellent and that for, for somehow we found a, a big mainstream audience that is just delighting in it. And I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I, I was really impressed by it. I, especially it's, um, it's really carried by not just a few, but like a ton of big performances, like mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. both. And you know, it's a movie that's split in time and sometimes that doesn't work. And the, to have two separate casts that are working this well, is really, I think, an amazing feat in a lot of ways. And, and I'm still drawn into the mystery. Like, I still don't know what's going to happen, and it's cr- driving me crazy. And, and apparently they didn't put too much thought into making sure that everyone looked the same. They were just kind of, let's just get, like, eight great actresses, and we'll figure out later how to make them look like who they're supposed to look like. But they, they weren't like, we need to find a girl who looks like Melanie we need to find a girl who looks like Christina Ricci, we need to find a girl who looks like, you know, this, that, and the other person. They were just like, Let's just find, you know, five great actors to play the adults and a bunch of great actors to play these teenagers, and we'll figure out how to make it line up the way it should. And it, 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 the performances across the board are just absolutely phenomenal from everybody. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Anything else, Brendan? That's it for me uh, on the horror front. I don't know if you guys have any 
cool things you've been watching you want to toss out there. But yeah, that's about that brings us up to date for my uh, horror viewing. You didn't watch Werewolf by Night? Oh, I did, I, did, I did watch that. It was really fun. I don't, I don't have a ton to say about it. It was a it's a fun fifty minute Halloween special. The werewolf kind of sucks in it, unfortunately, but the thing yeah. itself is a lot of fun. But, but, yeah, can we appreciate. <laughs> can we at least acknowledge how adorable it is that Man Thing makes coffee using the fucking I know. French press? And his name is Ted. <laughs> I he's the best. I loved it. Yeah. And I will say with the werewolf thing, my assumption is, and I haven't read anything to back this up, I just kind of assume that they're like, we need to keep his face visible. We can't we can't just have a, a, a CGI or a, you know, a, oh. a plastic wolf face. In the light. It has to be that guy doing the thing. But I think yeah. he just looks, I think that's just how the werewolf is in the comic, right? The werewolf by night. Com- he, he, has more of a, he has more of a wolf face in the comic. He, he looks like a wolf. He does? I'm going to look yeah. it up right now because I think you're very wrong. He's got a fur covering on his face, but I think it's more of a wolf than, than that. See, this I mean, was, I thought you were this wrong. Is, this is only... a two of my ideas episode. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think you're wrong only because my memory as a kid was not wanting to read it because the werewolf was lame. Because I, I, I mean, we've had this conversation, me and Justin. Wolfman, mm-hmm. not into it. Don't like the design. That's not for me. I need a full dog face or I'm not I'm not stoked, but not a dog like in uh, the whatever the beast movie that we were talking the beast about. must die. No, 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 no. It, it, it's a delicate balance between like, I don't like the wolfman and I don't like the hellhound. I like the bipedal monstrous wolf a la dog soldiers. OK, the bad moon. OK, the howling classic 70s werewolf by night. He looks like on the show. That's what he looks like. <laughs> Reboot werewolf by night. He looks actually awesome. He's got the full wolf head. He's covered in completely unjustifiable muscles. I love when they make the werewolf also ripped. Like, yeah, like Ben Helsing werewolves, yeah, which it, is crazy. Jacked. It's like, it's like, yo, man, he's supernatural. He doesn't need to go to the gym for me to be scared of him. Uh, but yeah, the, cla- the-, the classic looks like the wolf man to me, which I just don't. I mean, he wasn't as hairy as this guy. He could have been more hairy. But uh, but just anything where it just looks like a guy with a lot of hair and sharp yeah. teeth, that's not my vibe. That's not my favorite kind of werewolf, at least. And if you want to hear more thrilling discussion on Werewolf by Night, you can go check out the newest Tomb of Ideas available yep. wherever you listen to podcasts. Very good job, Justin, actually connecting in. I really appreciate that. Yep. Uh, do you want to go or do you want me to go next? You, you can go. OK, I'll just be really quick. I watched uh, the, a number of things, obviously, that, that uh, we've already talked about. I also caught that movie, um, Who Invited Them? Oh, my God. I love that movie. Did you love it? I was, like, into it, but I, it felt a little light to me. Like, I just wanted uh, I more. Li- Go ahead. I liked it so much that I even guessed the twist, and I was still like, fuck yeah, I'm into this. Well, okay. I will say the twist, to me, was broadcast pretty early on. Like as, oh, soon, yeah. as soon as the story starts and they're twins, I was like, oh, yep. OK, I got it. No, I got it. I know what's going on here. Uh, I think the performances for me make the movie work for the most part. I just felt like it ended in a way that felt very like we got to end the movie sometime. So I guess we'll end it here. I, gotcha. I, I didn't feel like it built towards anything. Uh, but then again, it could go the other way of building towards something that then turned into like 
something supernatural or something like a cult or, you know what I mean? Like it could have gone more ridiculous and I don't think that would have worked for this movie, but it felt like they didn't have any great ideas for the ending and it just kind of wrapped itself up. So I was, you know, I, I wasn't sold entirely on it, but I will say it's still worth watching. And even if only for the performances, which I think, you know, we spent a lot of the movie with four main people and they really sold it. I thought, I really thought they carried a lot of, the movie. So I, I think it's worth watching. I just was a little disappointed. <clears throat> I just choked. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> I was just a little disappointed with how it wrapped up. Um, I also watched the new Hellraiser. Um, okay. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, I just felt like it looks really good. I love the Cenobite designs, right? Uh, and I liked, you mentioned, Justin, about how they move. Oh, I thought God. that was unbelievable. Yeah. I felt like the movie in the beginning throws a lot of stuff at you that then isn't really that important to the movie. So it's like we've got um uh you know rich uh guy who has a fixer like we you know we've got the Ep- Epstein stand-in guy <laughs> and he's rich and powerful and and sadistic and we've got uh our main character who's dealing with addiction and she has uh, a gay brother and then like while those things come up a little bit it's not really like explored and i think part of that is similar to a lot of the sequels though this movie's way better than any of the sequels in my mind <laughs> is that you too well, I do like two. Like, yeah. I think I think two and this are actually pretty equal, mm-hmm. but on a in an objective way, this is a better movie. Two is like not a finished movie. It's like missing things, mm-hmm. right? It's not yeah. a full movie. But this movie is is a total movie. I just felt like it didn't really get into any of the like thematic stuff from the first movie. And I think that happens in a lot of these films because the people who make these films are really into the Cenobites. And the first movie's kind of like yeah, they're cool, but we got to hang out with this Frank guy here. Frank is the point of the movie. We got to hang out mm. with Frank. And like none of the other movies have a Frank in that way where the Cenobites are there, but no one else is, at least for me, I don't find anyone else as compelling as Frank, who is really the villain of the first movie. And and then if we even bring in the book, which is maybe unfair for a movie that has as many sequels, but if we go back to the book, I just think the book too, like no one's really tapped into all of the sort of psychosexual themes of the book and really put it in the, the movie. cum magic. That's what you want. You want the cum magic. I keep saying that as a joke, but I think it is representative of the idea that like no one who adapts Clive Barker quite gets how, I don't know, weird and queer and magical. All his stuff is people just kind of leave that stuff behind. I mean, I think the books of blood show was the best example where it's like, let's just give the most sanitized version of most of these stories, you know? So I don't know. I, I just felt like, there was more to do in the movie, but I wasn't mad at it. I wasn't like, oh, what a waste of my time. This was a real piece of shit. I was just like, oh, that was cool. I just wish like if we're going to do addiction, let's explore that a little further than we did. If we're going to have the weird rich guy who feels very Epstein like, let's explore that theme a little more. But it didn't feel like that stuff was as thematically rich or, or explored in a thematically rich way as it could have. But I guess, you know, I, I don't know that everyone's looking for that. Maybe that's just what I want because of that's how I think of Clive Barker as a writer, but I don't know. Um, I, I haven't seen the new Hellraiser yet. But I, I will, but a lot of the, comp- the kind of criticism that you're talking about, Liam, remind me of my reaction to the, the Nighthouse 
Bruckner's last oh, movie. Oh, yes. Which I, which I, so what you're saying with Hellraiser, I liked a lot, but by the end, I was like, I'm not quite sure. This movie's trying to do a lot. I don't think it's addressing everything as much as I want it to. That the movie's almost running away from its own most interesting themes to get to keep, to stay like a, a cool monster movie. Yeah, I, I felt somewhat similarly. I mean, especially with the idea at the end where we're just going to personify, you know, the, the void or the nothing or whatever. Yeah. It's just going to be a guy in a boat. That just felt a little like, well, all it's right, like It's, all it's right. a movie about the fear that there's no afterlife, but doesn't really want to be about that. And so it kind of needs to give you a monster to, to chase sure. around. Yeah. And, and I'm a huge fan of The Ritual, his Netflix movie, which is yeah. the best, yeah, the best monster of any movie in the last 20 years. Uh and so I kind of keep being a little disappointed. Like, oh, man, you nailed it once. I, I believe you'll do it again, but you're not quite doing it yet. Well, and I, and I, I actually think I – this is a little different for me than The Nighthouse. I think – did we talk about Nighthouse on, on Our Business, Justin? I think we did, We did, right? yeah. I felt like a lot of The Nighthouse was, like, spectacular, and that's why I was so mm-hmm. mad at the ending, which I really think, like, <laughs> dropped the bag. I didn't feel that way about mm-hmm. Hellraiser. I think it's pretty solid. I just wish – it had a little more going on under the surface and a little less like mm. there's a lot of like cool kills, attacks, however you want to think about it. There's a lot of cool stuff there. I also didn't. Well, OK, there's other things about it that I thought were kind of weird decisions, but that it would involve spoiling the movie. And I don't want to do that. So let's just leave it alone at there. But I'll say yeah. that I didn't hate it, but it wasn't uh, I don't feel like it invigorated the the series the way that some folks seem to. But, you know, whatever. Then, then it's just whatever sequels just won't be for me. That's okay. I'm still glad that it exists. And I think some of the performances were really, really great. Uh, I think that's it for me as far as new stuff. I did watch, I had never seen that movie, White of the Eye. Did I talk about this in the last episode, Justin? White of the Eye? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, were, so, were, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I also, um, I also watched, oh, but we're going to cover it. I, I watched um, Cemetery of Terror, but we're going to talk about that on a, another horror business soon. Um, I watched a classic for me, Kingdom of the Spiders, which I think is just fucking great, you know. Uh, and then um, today I rewatched Inferno, and I think sometimes I don't give, I I don't give Inferno its its due because I love Suspiria so much, and I'm like, well, Inferno's not Suspiria, but like, I still really like it. I have a lot of fun with it, so I, I think I need to. I mean, I think I, think I like Inferno more. Is that I think right? I, like, is I think right? I do. I didn't, I didn't watch them both again, but I love Inferno. That movie's I, just crazy. I know a lot of people who who do like Inferno more. I honestly, I think Argento is a director who, up to a very clear cutoff point, mm-hmm. I could just I could just do a marathon of his films because I just mm-hmm. think like the more ones that I've missed early on that I managed to catch, I love. So I'm like, I don't know until I feel like he dropped off. I don't know that he dropped off at all. Like, I think I like everything up to a certain point, but there's a few like posts or there's a few in there I haven't caught yet, let's say. Mm. So like I've seen opera, tenebrae, mm. phenomena, all of which I like, but there's a couple. I don't think I've ever seen Stenhall syndrome um i've certainly never seen mother of tears so there's there's a few that i haven't seen so it's it's hard to know exactly where the cutoff is but up to a certain point i think i like yeah yeah basically i think before the 90s i like everything he's done which i don't know if everyone feels that way about it but that's how i feel right now you know i i think pretty much every movie he made up to the nights has at least some fans like some are more some more beloved than others but all you know it's kind of like john carper in that way where it's like 
there's a run there where every single movie has its fans and all of them have some dedicated fans and then the drop happens and, and there's yeah. no, it never gets it back. Although apparently his new one's good. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I've heard that before, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, Ju- Justin, what is your what is your favorite Argento? Um, honestly, this is kind of like a cop out. Probably Suspiria. Mm. Suspiria I don't think that's a cop out. That's a great movie. There's a reason. No, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like entry level bolt. It's like you know, I could have been like, oh, the, you know, the bird with the crystal plumage, but I chose <laughs> but, like the most popular. But those are the, Bird with the Crystal Plumage and Deep Red are much more normal movies than Suspiria. And Suspiria is more well known. Those Actually, are. Straightforward murder mysteries. This <laughs> is insane. <laughs> I I take that back. Did Argento direct? Do you guys remember the HBO ma- or the Showtime? Was it HBO or Showtime? Masters of Horror. Showtime. Showtime. He did a film called Jennifer. Oh, I don't know that. Is that him? I'm gonna Google that. I believe if that's him, that's my favorite Argento film. Really. Cause that movie, like I remember yeah, watching that. Co- I remember watching that in college, and I watched it with a bunch of friends at like one of his girlfriends' like sorority house with like a bunch of like sorority girls, and the one girl got so upset by that she broke out into hives and had to go to bed. Oh God! So that's my favorite Argento film. <laughs> I'm reading um, here that this was the only one episode to require cuts. But Takashi Nikkei's was entirely rejected for TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds like Nikkei. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I still think Suspiria might be my favorite as well. But sometimes I think it's Tenebrae. Sometimes I think it's Tenebrae's um, great. Deep Red. Like, mm. like I, I just, I mean, I like all three of the Animal Trilogy Giallo. Um you know, I mean, we one of our early episodes, you remember, Justin, was opera, which I had never seen before yep. and Great I really love. I saw that like this year for like or maybe last year for the first time. I couldn't I couldn't believe how good it was and how expensive it looks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks like he has these blockbuster budgets to make these berserk movies feel like murdered horribly. <laughs> yeah. OK, Justin, your turn. What's going on? Horror stuff. Uh, So I partook in Fantastic Fest. I watched. Oh, w- yeah. Um. I watched, uh, I'll talk about the movies that, that, that stood out that I really liked. Uh, a little film called Everyone Will Burn. I believe it was a Mexican film. Um, a film called Night Siren that I think was Czechoslovakian. A Czech film. Um, Give Me an A, which was great. It was like an anthology film dealing with like the, the uh, a post-Roe v. Wade world. Uh, a film called Flowing from Italy. And then... Uh, the Antares Paradox, which I don't, I wouldn't call horror, but it's definitely a genre film, and it's definitely a contender for number one of the year for me. And then uh, Unidentified Objects, which, again, not horror, but definitely genre, and also a contender for number one. Um, an older film I watched, it was from 2020 on Tubi called Skyman. Um, it's about, it's, 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 I saw it listed as, one of the scariest found footage films ever made. Um, it's about a guy who on his 10th birthday, he and his dad are like camping out in like the Mojave desert. And there's this like rash of UFO sightings. And he is like, Oh, I saw the, the sky man came out of the, out of the desert to talk to me. And he said, he'd come back 30 years from that date. And this guy has been obsessed with this, this alien coming back. Um, so it wasn't particularly scary so much as, as it was, 
tremendously sad because this it's about this. Yeah, sorry, is it starts by the guy made Blair Witch Project? Apparently, it's similar to that. Daniel Myrick. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah. I watched it and I was like, I mean, it's got its parts that are a little like spooky, especially when he's like, you know, showing like the drawings he made of the Sky Man. But I don't know. It's just like overall, it was just like it was really. It just there was something that was very like very tragic about it. Um, I also watched Hellraiser. Uh, I like that. You know, whatever. Uh, I watched a movie on Tubi the other night called Infrared. It's a found footage movie. Very middle of the road. I won't recommend it, but if you like found footage, you'll probably like this. Um, I watched a movie on Hulu called Grim Cuddy. It came out recently. Um, the trailer is awful. The poster is awful. The movie <laughs> itself, kind of good. Kind of oh, like... Oh, really? I've kind of... Yeah, grim. Not at all what it's like. What what it's made out to be like. It's made out to be like a sort of like, uh, you know, the ring with memes, but it's actually nothing like that. It's actually all about like moral panic and kids getting caught up in that. Like you know, kids who are like, this is all fucking nonsense. Our parents need to calm the fuck down, and then the kids suffer the consequence. I mean, let me be clear. This wasn't an amazing movie. Like, and it wasn't particularly scary, but it was interesting. And it, it, it definitely was saying something that was like a lot deeper than what it was or not deeper, a lot more, um, a lot more insightful than what the trailer and the poster had let on. Um, and I also saw a little movie. I watched a movie on Friday, Saturday, a little movie called Terrifier 2. <laughs> Okay, tell me about this, because I've heard nothing but bad <laughs> things, and I want to hear your take on it. Okay, let me, let me get the bad out of the way first. This movie is way too long. At two and a half hours, um, like, th there are movies that can be two and a half, three hours long, and I don't mind them. Um, Avengers Infinity War, Endgame. These are long movies that I'm like, cool. Uh, it chapter two, terrifier two. They didn't need to be like. I just, and it's it, I don't I don't know because like, like it wasn't like a bad movie. Like it was if you like the first movie and if you like what those guys have to say, you're gonna like this movie. It's extremely violent. It's extremely. Uh, it's very horrific. The performances are all amazing. Like. The guy who plays Art the Clown is uh, phenomenal. Um, it's just like it was it was too long. And there were it, a lot of the kill scenes went on for so long. It was like, all right, dude, like. You're mistaking. Uh, like, how could I say this? Um, brutality. Like the point of a horror film isn't necessarily to be like as brutal as possible. Like you're supposed to scare me. You're not supposed to um, make me sick to my stomach at the sight of like human suffering. You know, maybe some people like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, like, I don't mind. I mean, there were a few kill scenes where I was like, Oh, that was actually pretty cool and pretty well done. Um, but it was just like, it kept going. And then like in the last like third of the movie, um, 
they started adding these weird like mythos elements to it like i don't know if you're familiar with the first terrifier they start like um like there's a scene where they're like oh this is where he came from this is where it all started and they go to this like amusement park and there's a ride called the terrifier and you're like oh shit like this is gonna be like really neat like it's gonna like uh, like oh there's this body there was the body of this young girl who was found there mutilated like all these years ago like are we gonna learn like about like art the clowns like background and then it just like goes nowhere which i'm okay with like with 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 with, this, with like a a movie villain having no background i love halloween um but like if you're gonna like make all these illusions and then not really pay off on it i don't know i, I just felt that was like a cheap attempt at like padding the runtime which didn't need to be padded at all um so i don't know like i know a lot of people were like man this movie was so much fun and you know i had fun watching it but it was like after about like the 90 to 100 minute mark i was just like all right like let's fucking wrap this up because like we're not you're not doing anything now you're just kind of like spinning your wheels and like violent kills that don't really you know, tell a story. And I've heard from a couple people that apparently Damien Leone, like one of the critiques of the first film was that there's no real plot. It's just like art, the art, the clown chasing these women through this dilapidated apartment building for 90 minutes and like nothing's going on. And so maybe he tried to like, you know, overshoot that and add like a lot more plot elements. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it was it was if you if if you really like the first Terrifier, you're going to like this. And if you didn't like the first Terrifier, don't see this movie because like it's not going to like I per, I have I have long held that like I think David Howard Thornton basing his performance of Art the Clown on like uh, Groucho and Harpo Marx and Buster Keaton is fucking brilliant. And when viewed through that lens, I actually kind of love the first movie, but I'm not, I'm also not a fan of just like, let's be as violent as possible because we're fucked up. Like, I don't think it's kind of juvenile. Um, and that's pretty much how I felt about this movie. Like I saw it. I was like, no, that was, that was nine years of my life. I'm never going to get, no, like <laughs> it was, uh, it was what it was. Like, I, I, I know a lot of people who, who saw it and loved it. You know, there was a thing in bloody disgusting about like how like people were like passing out and like fainting during it. And like, you know, I mean, that's fine, I guess. Like that's, that's not really a yardstick I'd measure like a meaningful yardstick. I'd, I'd measure a movie by, um, but you know, that's, that's just me. Uh, but yeah. Oh, I also rewatched uh, Michael Mann's the keep the other night. Mm. Um, you know, that's is what it is. Um, <laughs> You know, fa noted F. Paul Wilson fan, Justin Lore, not crazy about the keep, you know, whatever. Neither's um, Michael Mann. What's that? Neither's Michael Mann. Michael Mann, like, disowns that movie. Yeah, so does, so does F. Paul Wilson, the guy who wrote the book. <laughs> Famously wrote a story in which a film director gets brutally murdered for doing a bad job of adapting a film, so. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's all I've really done recently. Um... I finished Dahmer on Netflix. That was, you know, I don't know. Made me want to die. 
just fucking bummed me out. Not in a good way either. Like, uh, so yeah, I don't know. That's pretty much it, I guess. Leading to the nasty side of horror, man. Yeah, I mean, oh no, I'll lighten it up. I I was talking about this off mic. Um, I watched the monsters with my grandfather. Yeah. Turns out he's a big monsters fan. I had no idea. So <laughs> I tried watching it a few weeks back when it debuted. Watched about twenty minutes, and I was like, Nah, I'm good. And then I watched it with him. I was like, you know what? I love this movie because watching him watch it, I was like, this is so fucking charming and endearing. Seeing yeah. him get excited about it. I was like, I'm on this. I'm fine with this movie. I, I still haven't brought myself to watch it, but I'm not ruling it out. You know, I, I feel like I get that there are people that just can't do it. I think Brendan, you said like the look of it just bums you out too hard. I also, I, I, I kind of hate Rob Zombie's movies in general. I'm out on him as a director. And I saw a trailer like this looks like a joke. This looks like this looks like a one year die parody. Yeah, it, it, dude, dude, it it's not gonna change your mind. Yeah, it, it's really not gonna. It's not gonna. It is what it is. I still I still weep that we didn't get a Lords so, of yeah, Salem um, two. That's what I always wanted. <laughs> I really do. I love that. I movie. agree. I don't know or, the official horror business, but his his or how, my dream hall. Go ahead. I want to hear you say. I was going to say my my dream Halloween three, which is just like a road movie where Brad Dorif mm. hears about him being alive in the wilds of Canada and just goes up there to fight and kill him for killing his daughter. Rob Zombie's Halloween might be the worst movie I've ever seen. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> I, never, I, I, I don't, hate I don't people. I hate Halloween kills. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Actually, I don't know which one I dislike more. I dislike both of those movies very much. Um, I know, I know his his Halloween two has its defenders. I know it's kind of cult falling, but I I could never get. I hate that. I hate his remake so much. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. But I. Uh, but I, you know, I get why people like Halloween two. His his Halloween two specifically. But I don't. I just. I. It's not for me. But I will agree with you, Justin, that Halloween Kills is pretty close to one of the worst Halloween movies, which is saying a lot because those are not always successful films. So, no, uh, yeah, that movie's bad. I will, OK, let's put it. I'll put it this way. I don't like Rob Zombie's Halloween. I don't know that there's any one moment in it that sticks in my craw the way that the chanting people in the hospital stick in my craw. So I don't know. I, I think one is overall bad and the other one it's like overall bad, but has a few moments that reach new heights of ridiculousness. So I, I don't know. Oh, well. Maybe just leave Michael Myers alone for, for a while is, is the takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, put, put him on ice. Yeah. Let's get you. Pretty back in rotation. Let's let Michael Myers uh chill for a bit. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Justin? Nope. I uh I'm good to go. All right. Well, I guess we'll take a break then and we're gonna come back and talk about uh malignant and barbarian. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and we're gonna spoil them. But this is it. This is the last. If you are someone who hasn't seen these movies and you don't want them spoiled. You've heard all the horror business you're going to hear because when we come back, we're we're just going to dive in, and I I have no concerns for spoiling it after the break. All right, so 
We'll be right back. I'm Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders. As they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Imaginary friend? Imaginary friend? He's the devil. again. He's getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. And we are back to talk about 2021's Malignant, written and direct, directed by James Wan from a screenplay by Akela Cooper, based on a story by Wan, Ingrid, Bisu, and Cooper. The film stars Annabelle Wallace as a woman who begins to have visions of people getting murdered, only <laughs> realize the events are happening in real life. Um, I guess that's the best that's good way to describe the plot of Malignant. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking nuts. Um... <laughs> What's, I mean, what, we well, we're we're spoiling it, right? It's a yeah. mo- it's a movie about a woman who has a parasitic twin who <laughs> they think they cut off of her, and they just push the excess into her brain, and then when her abusive husband cracks her head open, her parasitic twin emerges from hiding and starts to take over her life again. Her parasitic twin that has the same <laughs> name as my estranged brother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. The actor who plays who plays her shitty shit husband, I believe. Let me just double check. Is the same actor who played uh, what's his fucking face from Supernatural? The um, the other Winchester brother. Oh, you're right. I didn't even realize that he plays Adam. He plays Adam. Yeah, you know the guy who they just never bring up again. They bring him back eventually. Yeah, but fuck. <laughs> So if, if my memory serves, I think all three of us at least like, if if not like this movie a lot, 
I so, love this movie. So let's love start. It. Who wants to who wants to gush first about the movie? I I have a couple of things that are a little bit negative, but I think for the most part, all three of us just want to talk about what it is we love about the movie. So who wants to go first? Uh, Brendan, go first because you're the guest. All right, fair enough. The thing about Malignant that's so just exciting is it starts and you go, well, this must be fake. This must be like uh, a movie in a movie. There's no way this can be the real thing. And then it's like, no, 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 this is the real thing. And it proceeds to maintain that tone and that just kind of like that berserk energy throughout for every scene and just get crazier and crazier and crazier until finally like it ends at like the apex of insanity. And that's so hard to do. Most, most, you know, when we talk about these kind of cultishly adored movies, they are things where it's like, it has like, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of really good, juicy lunacy. And the rest of it's kind of boring. People in offices like standing around talking, delivering exposition. But Malignant is that rare thing where the scenes where characters are standing around dis- discussing what's going on are as weird and as stylized as the crazy kill scenes and the, and the, and the supernatural elements. It all is pitched at this completely nightmarish dreamlike frequency. That's that's all that it's kind of camp, but kind of not. It's just, it's in a reality where it is always either pouring rain outside or thick fog banks everywhere. And sometimes they right. go inside and the fog banks are all no, in, are inside. Yeah. <laughs> They're in their fog banks. And it makes no sense other than it's just all this cool stuff that James Wan thinks looks cool. And he's going to live without apology. And the, the and just, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys talk a second, sorry. But uh, the fact that he's delivering this stuff on a $40 million budget, where again, this kind of, it's not that there's not there aren't movies this crazy out there, but they're normally weird things you'd find on Shudder or like, Korean movies or Japanese movies that are kind of like, you know, things that like you kind of have to be a horror fan to seek out. You kind of make allowances for low budgets and, you know, the, the creativity imagination is overcoming limitations. This is a guy being like, I just made you a billion dollars for an Aquaman movie. You're letting me do whatever the hell I want. And I'm going to use A plus production values and cast to do it. And so it's just, it's totally unique. It's totally insane. I, I cannot believe it exists. Yeah, I am. Um... Oh, go ahead, Liam. All I was going to say is I love that. I love your excitement over it. That made me really happy. Justin, go ahead. <laughs> um, so this movie, like, it, it kind of has like a weird. Uh, famously, I watched this movie when I was kind of sort of not really, but definitely stranded in L.A. Uh, back in 2021, like the day it came out. Um, my drive back home got canceled. So I was like, fuck it. I had to like stay in LA for another night. And I had a choice between watching this or going to see Morris Day in the time. And I chose this. Um, and I'm not entirely, I don't think I made the wrong choice. Um, uh, I remember uh, afterwards, uh, shout out to Carly from the final girls. Cause her and I went out and got dinner after, after watching this when we were like talking about it. Um, the scene when you see Gabriel for the first time, like when you yes. really see yes. Gabriel for the first time, I did the Joaquin Phoenix from signs seeing the alien, you know, like when he's watching like the alien, he goes, Oh, and he like jumps back. Like that was my reaction. I was just like, Holy fuck. It's it, like the alien from fire in the sky is stuck on her back. Jesus weeping Christ. I did not think they were going there. 
that scene makes me laugh so hard. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like my reaction to jump scares in the, in the, in the crazy is, is to laugh. That's just my, my, my automatic reaction. So I was giggling the entire time malignant. And when you get to that reveal, you're talking about the scene with like, uh, where they're watching the video. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it's just like, it's so, it's so unsettling. And like, I, I, I kind of have a thing about like, um, like medical, medical malformalities kind of like get under my skin. And I don't know if it's like a primitive, like, like aversion to like, um, like, I, I, don't, I don't, there's just something about it that like, mm. Like when you first see this thing, it's so jarring and so not what I thought it was. Like, I was kind of like, oh, are they going to do like a dark half style thing? Like, is that where they're going with this? And then, like, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's where they're going with this. I'm pretty sure I'm prepared for what I'm about to see. And then I saw, like, when they showed him, I was like, I fucking wasn't ready for that. <laughs> and I. Uh, yeah, it just like, and then like the scene in like the police station, which is just like, you know, the fucking Terminator, like times like 20 with the police shootout. It's mm -hmm. just like, it goes, it goes, it goes, it swings through the fences so hard that even if it fails, and I don't think it does, you still have to give it credit for it. Cause it's mm -hmm. so fucking crazy. Like the scenes where the detective is chasing Gabriel through like the, like the under the, the city below Seattle, like that feels, <laughs> that literally feels like a dream you would have. Where you're mm -hmm. like being chased like an abandoned mall or something like that, and the guys going backwards. Yeah, <laughs> and oh my god, when and then when you realize, yeah, when you realize it's like walking backwards, it's like, um, no, I just like I I, I saw like a lot of hate for this movie where it was like, oh, it's not a modern day giallo, and I was like, we get it, mm -hmm. you know what a giallo is, and you're trying to fucking flex, but like it kind of sort of is when you really get down to it. Um, see, I disagree strongly. You know what? Let's fucking meet up and just fucking fight. No, I, I, so here's, here's the thing. There are a ton of people who hate this movie. And I think some of those people just, it didn't work for them. And when the tone is this kind of tone, you can't blame people when it doesn't click with them. I, I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I'm surprised I can and I will. It does. I, 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 cause I remember when I saw it in theaters, I was cackling the entire time I was watching it. Right. But I also felt like, okay, that good, good for you, James Wan. I'm, I'm glad you have Aquaman too, like line up ready to go because you're kind of spending a lot of money on fire with this one. Yeah, and I was, I was shocked that it almost immediately was kind of accepted as like a right. new, as as a, as a, as a, it was accepted as a thing that we were all on board with. I, I, I really thought this was going to be one of the, what I was going to be. I'm, I'm like, I think this is crazy and great, but obviously, obviously, it's too, it's too full-throated mad for it, for the rest of the world to accept, but people, people dug it. Yeah. But I mean, not, here's, here's, here's what I'm straight up going to say. Okay. And this is a compliment to the movie, but it's, it's going to be one that Justin will find hard to swallow. This is a, I'm sorry. This is a lifetime movie is what this is. This How? is, this is an over the top lifetime movie, which is why it's so fucking good. The only reason a lot of those crazy ass lifetime movies are so bad is because they have no budget and no one cared enough. Like James Wan cared about what he was fucking doing with this thing. If anyone watched this and is like, oh, the people who made this were just trying to make money or it's half assed, they're not paying attention. This is a work of love in order to make it this insane. 
but the tone this is a wild ass fucking thing man this mm. is out of control and i and i get the comparisons to giallo i don't think it was completely baseless but i think people went a little nuts with it and were like finally we finally have a, a true American giallo. We finally done it. We broke the code. And here it is, the first American giallo. And I was like, you guys need to calm the fuck down. There's there's a leather jacket and leather gloves, and mm-hmm. there's some interesting camera work. But the moment our man, for, by the way, no justifiable reason, is good at kung fu. It turns into a wuxia movie. <laughs> and the moment that it turns into a wuxia movie, it's not a giallo. That's for fucking sure. And honestly, when it turned into a wuxia movie, I get that some people were turned off. Like, friend of the show, Ryan, was really bummed. That's when the movie lost him. I was like, yeah, dog, let's do this. Let's fucking make this a uh, 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 fucking slasher, crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Let's do that shit. And really, uh, is there any particular reason that Gabriel not only has uh, apparently electronic-based psychic powers, but can also, you know, could beat up Jackie Chan in a fight. There's no explanation for it, but I don't understand. I mean, I don't know that anyone was, but if anyone's watching this going, that's weird. That part didn't make any sense. Yeah, I know, man. Like, there's no, there's a creature coming out of the back of her head. I know we've all heard about uh, parasitic twins, but if you think this is like, what is the real thing? You're a crazy person. No part of this is supposed to be realistic. So when he starts doing backflips and he can fight the whole police department with just his homemade trophy knife. Awesome. Great. Let's do that. Like there's, I, I, I just think like the, the craziness of it really works for me uh, on, on rewatch. The first time I watched it, this, I didn't notice this on rewatch. The person who's the most sold to me on the tone of this thing is actually our main actress. Like she is really selling it. And, mm-hmm. you know, Justin, you were saying you found the uh, dead stream guy a little overwhelming I, I, on this watch. I found her a little overwhelming. I felt like there were times where I'm, I was like, uh, okay, we can pull back just a teeny bit. I just think she, you're going a little overboard here. There goes Liam telling a woman to calm down. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'd actually say it's not the parts where she's losing her shit. It's actually the some of the more dramatic moments where she's like, I suddenly remember. And I'm like, okay, all right, buddy. You know, let's let's the her just screaming. I mean, I actually think not that this matters that much, but one of the ways we talk about people is like in horror films is like their ability to show fear all all that stuff kind of works for me in in a very real way but some of the more like i i suddenly remember who gabriel is is like it just felt a little too much now granted maybe that was her direction like i'm not saying it's her performance necessarily it could easily be the director saying like this is what i want i want you to feel like uh, I mean, there are parts that feel like maybe she's supposed to be a psychic character in a in a giallo, you know, like real super dramatic. She's like, or or not even in giallo, she, uh, maybe like the the psychic lady in the Beyond. There are parts where she's like the seance lady from the Beyond, and I just think that's a little excessive for me. But uh, and and also like knowing what the trick is going to be, I think. Um, the movie loses a little bit of that first watch, which like the first watch. I mean, I know there are people who don't like it, right? And I'm okay with that. I think Justin hates them, but I'm okay with the fact that people don't like it. But I will say, I don't understand how anyone saw that twist and was like, 
oh ho hum. You had to you had to at least be mildly scandalized by the twist of this movie, right? You had to at least be amazed that that's what it was. I I, I mean, I think I even talked to someone who said they weren't having that much fun with it until the twist, and then they just were like, "I still don't love this movie, but way to go! That's fucking awesome." And and I also don't understand. I'm not sure that I believe people who said, well, you kind of saw it coming. Like I saw a lot of things. You could say a lot of things you saw coming in this movie, but not when Gabriel comes out of her head and starts Kung Fu killing the whole jail of girls. I just don't believe you saw that coming. I just don't think that's real, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong for me. It was it's on second watch. It loses some of that surprise. So I was less viscerally excited, but I still really like it. Um, I just think that uh, it's interesting what you said, Brennan, and I think you're right. This has become a cultural touchstone for people where any horror movie that has like a big twist on it is going to get compared to this movie. And I don't think Mm -hmm. that's wrong, but there are folks who, and this happens with everything. So this happened with uh, Hereditary, a movie I love. This happened with uh, Midsummer, uh, same director, so I should say The Witch, a movie I love, where someone sees a horror movie that they personally find really effective, and suddenly they're like, well, they've reinvented the genre, you know? There was horror before, <laughs> yeah. and now there's horror after. And I just it's elevated think, to a new level. Yeah, I just think those folks need to calm down. This is really good. <laughs> it's really good. And I do think in the scope of modern horror, if you like modern horror, I don't understand why you would think in my mind, I mean, granted, I'm thinking of Sharky, who really did hate this movie. So maybe we need to ask him why he hated it so much. Because I kind of forget you can do what that. Said. I will. I will just to find out. But I, but I will say, for me, as someone who likes modern horror, I think this is a really great example of modern horror incorporating elements from the past, which it does incorporate a little bit of Giallo stuff, but I think a lot of other things as well. I don't think just Giallo, but doing it with a modern twist that works. Now, granted. It is very modern. So for those friends of ours who don't like modern horror, and I and by that I don't just mean because they're obsessed with Freddy, but I mean people for whom the modern style of filmmaking, which is significantly different than how we made films before, if that if that doesn't work for you, this is probably a worst case scenario because this is a very modern film in the editing, in the pacing, in the in the way that the the even like the color scheme of the movie or the way the camera moves in the movie, it's all very modern. But if you're okay with that, I don't know why I'm not sure that I understand why this movie didn't work for people. Cause while I don't think it's amazing, it's just so fucking fun. I, I had a ton of fun. It just, I didn't quite have the mind melting experience I had, as you said, Justin, when they first reveal Gabriel, that's just a, that's a moment I would, Again, I hope no one's listening to this who hasn't seen the movie because that's a mo- that's a moment I wouldn't deny anyone. Everyone should have the experience of seeing that first big reveal. Well, just to make to make, to make a couple of points. Um, one, it's definitely pulling from Giallo in terms of like the as we say like the the glove killer and the coat and all that kind of stuff. It's definitely evoking Giallo, but it's also evoking eighty slasher iconography. Sure, you know, it's, very, it's also very much evoking. Uh, the, the kind of the 2000s horror that James Wan kind of, kind of set in motion with, with Saw and the kind of desaturated color and the, you know, there's a Pixies song used as like the killer's theme. They literally, <laughs> literally the only good use of Where Is My Mind in any movie ever. The only time I've ever seen it where I haven't been like, fuck this. Even Fight 
Fight Club? Even especially Fight Club. Okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I, think, I think me and Justin are Fight Club truthers. Is that right, Justin? I am a Fight Club truther. Yeah. So, but so just to say, I think, James, you know, to your point, Liam, that it is so much, but it, it's kind of James Wan taking the last, cherry picking things from the last 40 years of horror, throwing it in a blender, hitting frappe, and just hurling it back in the audience's face. Into it, so it feels totally unique. But you can, so it, I guess it's fair if you expect a Giallo movie to be upset that it's not. It's, but it's more, he, like I said, he's just kind of cherry picking individual pieces he likes and throwing it out there for the audience. Um, and before, before I respond to that, uh, the other thing, the thing that I think is really critical to kind of understanding Malignant and appreciating it is we've all seen, or if you're a horror fan, we've all seen The Conjuring and Insidious, and the Insidious is, is I can't know what that is. He, he can make a normal horror movie. Oh, yeah, sure. He can Completely. do a just down the middle horror movie with recognizable human behavior and coherent plot structures and make it a big satisfying. The fact that this is so nutty and so completely unabashed in its tone and in how just how committed it is to being the most at every turn is clearly a deliberate choice. You don't feel like that choice. You can watch the first minutes and be like, I'm out and you probably should leave because it's not, it's not getting any better from there. But it's, it, it's wrong for people, I think, to think that this movie is some kind of accent or like it got away from James Wan or something like that. It's No, this is a thousand percent the movie he wanted to be at all times from beginning to very, very end. Yeah, I, I will say I find that take the most annoying is people who are like, well, he tried to do something, but he just fucking dropped the ball. This movie is everything he wants it to be. That doesn't mean it works for you. Like, I will say when you were saying that, uh, Brennan, that. There were people I know who don't like modern horror who were told by others like, well, this is the movie that's going to change your fucking mind. <laughs> and, and I don't think that's true. I think this is very steeped in the last 20 years of of big Hollywood horror. And it it really takes from a lot of those trends, but then smushes them into a new form. And I think that's fucking fun. Like, I, I love that he does that. And I think those stylistic choices are interesting. But if all that stuff really rubs you the wrong way this is not going to change that like this this the elements in this that harken back to much older traditions are not enough i think to overwhelm some of the stuff here that's like very influenced by by newer stuff and i don't think that's a bad thing per se but i do think like when i read some people's like reactions to it it did feel like a lot of times people were mad less at this movie and more at the movie they were sold and how far this is from what they were sold. And that's not the fault of James Wan. I think this movie is exactly what he wanted it to be. Well, not for nothing. Have you guys seen Dead Silence? His puppet movie the director saw? Uh, I have, yeah. Yeah, I think I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that movie is actually pretty underrated. It's, it's not a great film or like that. But you watch that movie and then watch Malignant and you go, this is the same filmmaker. Dead Silence sure. is 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. a rough draft. Dead Silence is a, it's, it's a, it's a modern-day Bava movie. It's him trying to do a Mario Bava movie with, in America, essentially. And it's not totally successful. And, and him and uh, Lee Winnell have been very open about their frustration with that film. But you can 100% see that sort of hyper-stylized, hyper-affected uh, thing. And then Malignant is him doing that, but with like 10 times the budget and now with a decade more experience. So he can actually pull off the thing he's trying to pull off, which yeah, is. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, it's funny you bring up Dead Silence because there's a scene in Dead Silence that when I was watching Malignant, um, 
a lot of the lighting in Malignant, um, you know, the very the the blue and the red and the whatever. There's a scene of Dead Silence when um uh, the fucking guy, the main guy, whoever his name is. The true blood guy, Ryan. The true Quantum yeah, true movies? blood, true blood, yeah. Um he is in there's a scene where he's like in his hotel room with this dummy and like there's like a flashing red neon light night light outside and Mm -hmm. it's so quietly nightmarish and tense that like when i was watching uh malignant i was like this is the same feeling as (laughs) i got from that one scene throughout this entire movie just that like quiet intensity with the weird feverish like sizzling neon lights um and yeah i also feel that like a lot in that movie is uh is 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 um is present in this like the whole idea of like some like untold horror in the past that a a character is discovering and you know it's coming back to fuck with them like i don't know like i i I think i i I agree with you on that about this movie yeah i i think they they he they got stuck with Saw, right? They, well, not thinking it. They, they made Saw. Saw was this, inc- this huge hit, kind of set the tone for the rest of their careers. And then both Juan and went out for the next like decade trying to kind of get out from under it. And I think you know Dead Science was kind of viewed as the disappointing, you know, the sophomore slump of them failing to do it. But I think that movie is probably much closer to their actual taste, or James Wan's actual taste, because. You look at the conjury, you look at the city, you look at this. Like he likes he likes these ghost stories. He likes these and but but you know, the other thing about you know Dead Side is like it's this it's a ghost story and it's a creepy, you know, Mario Bava-esque kind of psychic freakout, but it also has a gum chewing, tough talking cop. Yes. He likes that too. <laughs> Which I appreciate. He's weird. It's it's but it's so clearly a guy who watched seven in, in film school and like has never quite got over it how cool he thought seven was and twenty years later he kind of can't put the toy away he's like but there has to be like a cop in a leather jacket who's like troubled and and, and edgy who's eventually won over or who eventually gets won over <laughs> yeah I can't believe they they both survived this movie actually it's kind of it's kind of wild that uh, all the good characters survive. That's the other thing about Millennium that I think is very odd. And, and to your point, Liam, about it being a, a lifetime movie, and I don't think you're wrong about that. James Wan makes weirdly nice horror movies. The fact that right. he made two, the, the two Conjury movies, there's not, a, I think, a single death in either film. Am I wrong mm. about that? I don't think no one dies in Conjury. Like, at least not, none, of the, none of the hero characters ever die in the Conjury. No, in the you're Con- right. You're right. And and in the, the fact that Malignant ends with like essentially the same thing as Frozen, that the two sisters are like together and like and like you know taking ownership of their of their superpowers together, and the, the power of sisterly love like triumphs over evil. And it, it's it'd be, it'd be so easy to think that this is some kind of ironic thing or some kind of like self parody, but I just feel like I get the sense that he just means it, and it means every bit of it. And that's the thing I kind of keep coming back to in terms of why I like this movie so much is that coming off of Aquaman, coming with all the heat in the world, be like, I want to make the wildest horror movie ever, but it's also going to be a, a, a totally sincere tribute to like the, the, the power of sisterly love. And if you don't like that, then Joe jump off the, a cliff that I've parked a car next to. Uh, I don't care. I love that. Yeah. I, I, I wish more people did things like that. 
It feels it feels like, especially in this era, not not to get all way twenty about you know, modern pop culture. It kind of feels like if, once you get in the studio system, you're kind of stuck there forever. And the, the whole like one for you, one for me thing is kind of broken down a little bit. And the fact, James Wan's like, no, between awkward moves, I will make a a, a, a totally ludicrous forty million dollar slasher film, and I don't care if you, if you lose every penny of it. It's going to be exactly the movie I want it to be. And you know, like I said, dive off a cliff. Wave two middle fingers in the air. Well, and I think yeah, there's, so there, there. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like in an era, in an era where like cynicism and like cruelty is valued in, in horror films, it is nice to see, like, yeah, you know, you know that this this whole idea of like, yeah, like you said, like the sisterly love, and like I I really love the fact that like the main character's adopted, and it's like it's very clearly like. It doesn't matter what you were before, your life before. None of that matters. You are my mm -hmm. daughter and you are my sister. And like, I, I don't know. I just thought that was like weirdly and, and genuinely touching. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will say I chose to take that more as camp, but I agree that he means it. It's just for me as a viewer, I was like, oh, come on. All right. <laughs> Sure. Let's do it. That sounds good. I, I don't I don't find it any crazier than anything else that happens in the movie. And I do think like with the character, what else are you gonna do? I I, I don't know that they're for people for whom that's too sentimental, I I get that theoretically, but then how do you end this movie? I just think if the ending is we kill her and Gabriel, I just personally i don't think that really works i just don't think that's as I, fun like I, it doesn't make I sense the, to me yeah the, the ending that i think that if people are problem with it with the ending as it is then they want they want the ending to be the fake out of you, you think they've done it and then actually like, oh no uh they want what, what they want to have happen is the ending play out as it does and then you cut out of it and gabriel has killed the sister killed everyone in the room and gabriel like you know screams into camera like oh no it was all it was all a dream gabriel wins we'll see you for the sequel and that's just, just not, that's, that's just not so how, corny. that's not, I completely agree. It's, it's, it's just not what James, like I said, he did two conjuring moves, both of which end with the families hugging and crying and everyone laughing because they all get, because they survived the day. He, he, he believes in the people. Yeah. He believes in horror as a way to bring people together and that you can survive these things and be stronger for it. I now, just not, think, not I, all horror movies need to do that, but I like yeah. that he does. I just think if you're going to do something that inevitably is going to feel corny to some people, wouldn't you rather do that with the sentimental ending where you take seriously your character? Like, again, I don't know that I love all the decisions about this character, but she's still the one, you know, that you're pulling for her and the sister. So we're going to kill the sister and her and we're left with what then? Like, I just, it just seems like such a unnecessarily mean, like, like Justin, like you said, like cynical, but even more than cynical, it, you know, it, it seems like an effort to be, uh, uh, it's, it's cool for, it's, for, yeah, yeah, exactly. Edgelord. It, th that somehow you're cool because you're like, I don't give a fuck. We'll just kill everybody. It's like, no, that's not, that's not really, I think what this movie needs anyways. Okay. I, we've talked a lot about malignant and we, I still want to make sure we have time for barbarian, but any sort of like last thoughts, like that we want to wrap up with. I, th I think this one, Brendan is very good, which is like, I think this really does represent a, a trend or a pattern in James Wan's filmmaking, which is that he does, he has a kind of core that is tied to the goodness or at least the power of people. And I think that that's 
not a bad thing. And I think in, in certain movies, it's been really great. I, I don't love the Conjuring sequel, but I still love the first Conjuring movie. So Se- I, I appreciate Sequels. That. Sequels. Well, I just stopped paying attention after that second Se- one. Sequels, Liam. I'm not interested after. I, 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 sequels. They can do whatever they want. Just it has nothing to do with me. Sequels. <laughs> it's not my business anymore. Three's not bad. Yo, fuck it's not Derek great, in this not... movie. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, final thoughts right. on the movie. Like you said, it's just on? a weird and wonderful movie. Yeah. It's yeah. weird and wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad it, it has is. a on the audience. Well, I think the next movie we're going to talk about is also weird, but is in entirely different. It's it's different in every possible way, other than the fact that if you haven't seen it, you don't want to hear us talk about it because there's stuff that we could ruin for you, I think. Which, you know, we're not usually concerned about spoilers on this show. You guys know that. But I think both of these movies are movies where the surprise is worth not hearing our beautiful voices. So if you haven't seen it, turn it off. Turn off now. Yeah, turn it off right the fuck now. We'll be right back. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. Who am I supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. It's dry and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom and I'll sleep out here on the couch. natural and we are back to talk about two 2022's uh really wikipedia just american horror film uh american <laughs> horror film written and directed by zach Kreger, starring georgina camel uh, and justin long uh Oh, but no love for Richard Brake Wikipedia? That's fucking two for two. Okay. Okay. I just want to say about this movie. I saw the trailer 
And I suspect this was like a uni a near universal reaction. What is Bill Skarsgård up to? Mm -hmm. yep. And then at the end, at watching this movie, I went with my coworker, Holly. I looked at her and I was like, huh. So Bill Skarsgård was just like a totally good dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that entire like first act is so fucking tense. And then you're just like, oh, he wasn't up to anything. He was just like legit. Like, no, I'll, like the whole scene where he's like, I didn't open the wine because I wanted to make, I wanted you to see that I was doing it so you could trust me. And you're like, wow, what a weirdo. And then in hindsight, you're like, oh no, that's actually like kind of a considerate thing to do. And he's not even close to the worst thing, the worst person in this movie. Like, I would say he's the second best person in this movie when it comes to making moral decisions. I actually felt bad for him. At that, yes. when it became, when it became, I feel like uh, I felt bad for Bill Skarsgård. I was like, man, this guy—he seems like a really nice guy. He seems like a, he's, he's a really good actor. It's too bad that he's stuck playing, you know, being seen as a creep. And that's why he was a producer on the movie. Like, okay, he knows exactly what he what his film presence is. He knows exactly how eyes respond to him. He's got to milk it for all it's worth. Good I mean, for him. Oh yeah, this isn't <laughs> this is entirely stunt casting. Like this is a, and I'm not surprised yeah. when, I, when I realized who the director because I went into this kind of knowing oh this director's a comedy guy and it was only after the movie ended and i was like holy shit what the fuck and i looked this dude <laughs> up and i was like oh this is one of the whitest dudes you know guys and that is a show that is well it doesn't exist anymore but when it was on is very much about fucking with audience expectations in ways that are funny but also like super uncomfortable and like i i don't mean this in a negative way because i love this movie but there are so many aspects of this movie that feel like a very well-written comedy sketch. Only, um, only small parts of it are funny. And even some of the parts that are funny, it's hard to laugh because it's while things are happening that are not funny. And it, it's like, yeah, I guess that's funny, but I'm just feeling so much anxiety right now that I can't laugh at that. But I think that sensibility of someone who does comedy is like going through this and that's included in he knows Bill Skarsgård opens that door and anyone who recognizes him thinks, oh, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, shit. OK. And, and that whole opening scene plays with that expectation. It's interesting because I've definitely talked to people for whom they felt like the whole opener was not good. Like they didn't feel the tension of it. Mm. And I don't vibe with that at all. For me. I felt How? it so hard. It was so tense. And to have it culminate in the moment it does of this, I, we, we, I mean, we know who she is eventually, but in this moment, we just see a giant monster lady who smashes Bill Skarsgård's face in. The catharsis of that was like, what the fuck is happening? And then we cut <laughs> to shitty Justin Long. Immediately. Who, who, who is, by the way, arguably the villain of the film. Right. And yeah. I just was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, is has something gone wrong? What's going on? And I, I again, while it's very different from Malignant, it does represent to me a filmmaking that's like, yeah, I'm just going to fucking do this thing and it'll be fine. The audience will be fine. I don't have to hold their hand the whole time. Uh, I, I will say it's 
I do wonder if some of the themes are get a little repeated. I I, I don't know. I, I do wonder about that. I, I might have a stronger opinion about that the second time I see it. I only saw it the one time, uh, but it didn't bother me the first time I saw it, that I didn't feel like it was getting repetitive. But, you know, I, I do wonder if maybe I, I would feel that later on. And I also feel like it does slow down a little bit in the middle in a weird way. I, I'm still not sure about the decision to have a character who... um is really surprised that the police aren't willing to help her. Like I thought that mm. whole part, though it was very effective to say, oh yeah, the police do suck. The fact that she's utterly scandalized by it, I was like, I mean, you kind of know a little bit, right? Like you kind of knew a little bit that they'd be at least it, a little, it, you know? It's funny because I, 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 I've I, seen people on hard Twitter say that that was like the only unrealistic part. And I was like, you guys are aware of the fact that the cops let Jeffrey Dahmer take a man, uh-huh, uh-huh. a boy, and, a fucking boy, back into his apartment. Well, like, you uh, know uh, that actually happened, right? Well, I'm, Like, this okay. shit does happen. I will say, I saw people say it's unrealistic from the other direction. Like, a critic I like, Black Woman, was like, I need more biography to understand why this black lady is surprised that these cops are like, who are you? What do you want? We got other stuff to do. She's like, it's possible. It's not impossible. But I wish the movie gave me the context to understand why she is. I mean, she's really like, I can't believe you guys aren't helping me. And I'm like, really? I, I find it very believable, actually. What do we, what, what do we, what do yeah. you mean? The only thing I'll say is she's been down there for weeks. It's true. That's it's true. No, so, that's so, true. It, it, so just in case for her, it, it might just be just like she's been she's she's to, she is truly out of her mind, frantic, desperate for help. So at that point desperate. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That is that is very fair. I just think I just I understand why some people felt like that was a strange moment in some ways, only because she's got to be aware that like it's yeah. it is hard to follow. But on the other hand, I do wonder if um it still works as an idea because as you said, she's desperate and maybe in her desperation, she shouldn't be so surprised, but maybe think like, I don't care. Just come. Cause they, they don't have to believe her to investigate. Right. Like they could do a teeny yeah. bit of investigation if they wanted to. But on the other hand, Justin, I agree. This all seems very accurate. I don't know. Like they're yeah. the portrayal of the police, especially in Detroit. Like even for listeners who are a little more sympathetic to police than maybe I am, you have to know that, the situation for police in cities like Detroit maybe is such that even if you want to, for some reason, ideologically to believe the best of them, they are still stressed out people who maybe aren't inclined to take the situation seriously. Now, of course, I believe in it even more because I don't have a lot of confidence in most police officers. But I think that even if you want to be more positively inclined, it's not entirely unbelievable, especially considering the history, as Justin pointed out, that like this has happened before, like serial killers, not all of them, but some of them get away with it after interacting with police and it has no effect on them, you know, and they're motivated by other things like racism, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing, I, the thing that I, I'm curious about and I'm curious to get you guys take on this is for how much the conversation about Barbarian has been like, you won't believe the things that are in this movie, you know, going, knowing nothing. And what, what I'm interested in, in talking about, at least, at least for a little bit, is once you get a full picture of what's happening in that house, it's not that original. You know what I mean? It's, no. It's people on the stairs. 
It's people on the, under, under the stairs. Sure. No, and, no, no. The original part is leading an audience along the way it does, and then quickly right, switching yes. lanes to Justin Long. That's a completely right. original. After that, and again, I don't mean this as a hard criticism of the film, but when people say, I kind of got lost a little bit after that, it's because what they wanted was the same level of surprise all the way through. And at a certain mm. point, the movie has to stop doing that. I, I think the movie has to say, okay, and then just stuff happens. And not all that stuff is surprising. Okay. Like, yeah, I mean, it's become an escalation, not twists. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, we just have to like follow the plot and it can't be constantly, oh shit, oh shit, the whole time. I don't think I, I, it wouldn't work. I think it would get ridiculous. I, I, I will say that the, I guess we'll call it like the interlude where we see uh, Richard Brake going about his day, doing whatever sure, it is he does. Yeah. That to me was just as quietly unsettling as anything else in this film. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because it, it was because it was this man who is clearly functioning or, you know, some would say not functioning on any sort of socially acceptable level as a human being going about his day, pretending to be human, fooling literally everybody around him and uh without him trying really he's, he's, he's not even like trying putting, to putting affect no effort humanity into yeah but he's a um, white guy so i went like yeah that's, like, he's, uh, that's bill from up the street yeah it's fine and and, lot of, and lot of screams go from that house the the way that was shot with like the weird mm. wide angle like that was like physically painful on my eyes there was just something about that that like made my like head hurt um and then just when, when we, it, it's like, we don't, I don't even think we actually see him, um, like attack anybody, but it was just that like brief, that was a brief interlude and in giving you a window into like where this horror started. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is fucking with me just as bad as anything else in this movie is just seeing this mm -hmm. guy go about his day. And you're like, who the fuck knows what, like, what, like just disgusting, unspeakable things he's doing. Um, like, I don't know that I thought that was super effective and I think kind of gets lost in the mishmash of like this insane first act and then the insane like end of the film. There's that part in the middle that's like, yeah, but this is just as upsetting and this is just as fucked up as anything else we're seeing in the movie is this guy slipping through the cracks of society and fucking getting away with it because ultimately he does get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he chooses his own way out, and yeah, I mean, I I think, so if I'm, you know, I don't want to speak for Sharky, who I might have his own take, per se, but he's sort of like, he's become our fourth guest in a way, just because I remember talking to him about this, and I do wonder, uh, for him, he felt like Justin Long kind of became the main character in a way because of how long we spent with him. And he didn't find Justin Long compelling in a way that he felt like kept him in the film. And I don't feel that at all. I mean, like I said, I 100% feel like ultimately Justin Long is the villain of the movie, right? Like the scenario was created by that guy, but the guy's gone. He no longer matters. And the, the woman who lives in the tunnel is a victim of circumstance, though she's very dangerous. I don't think you can say that she's the villain. Really, I just think Justin Long, he has an opportunity to maybe 
be different, but the movie's pretty clear <laughs> that like he was never going to be different. He was just co- going to continue to be a moral and uh, uh and a and a failure of courage the entire film, which is kind of representative of who he is as a person. That he's a self deluded, manipulative, you know, uh, user of people who will ultimately never make the right decision. Um, and that works for me, but I wonder if for people for whom this movie didn't work, if that's maybe one of the disconnects is that they don't see why the Justin Long character is the way he is. But I, I don't know. I'm just trying to be sympathetic to maybe other people's sort of takes on it. Do you, did you guys feel like all the aspects around him as this, you know, uh, uh, self-denial rapist, though? Not clearly not that much self-denial when he makes the phone call. But when this no, not when this when this barely self-denial. But when we spend so much time with this with this rapist character, do we feel like that was an effective choice? Because really, I think ultimately the movie's about him to some extent, the same way that it's about this horribly scary man. And Justin, I agree with you. The time we spent with this spend with this man, though no violence happens. Is horrifying. It's just utterly it's the creepy stuff in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, I, I think it works, but I wonder if maybe people miss that Justin Long is kind of the bad guy in a way. I, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think about that? Well, let let me let me say this, uh, and I, I'm going to bring Carly from Final Girls up again because I think I had this conversation with her. The scene where Justin Long is like. Uh, defending himself to his friend at the bar. Yes, yes. And he's like, well, no, I mean, she did that to me was as creepy, if not creepier uh-huh. than anything else that happens in this movie, because I've had that conversation with, with other, with, with, with guys like, like you could say like, Oh, this, the woman, sh- the woman who smashed Bill Skarsgård's head and then gives Justin Long the fucking Ober and Martell treatment at the end. Like, yeah, sure. She's a monster, but like, you can't. Like, she is is she's the villain, the quote unquote villain. In the same way that, like, I don't know, the shark is the villain in Jaws. She's not the villain. She's just this like sort of like unknowable thing that is a threat, but not necessarily uh, a villain per se. I mean, it's the same way how we often talk about how like animal attack movies. You can't really call them horror films. Because you can't hold animals really moral, morally responsible. There's no real malice there. Like with her, it's it's sort of like I was reminded of like how people say like in the in the OG Texas Chainsaw Massacre, how like Leatherface acts the way he does because people are breaking into his house. And that's why he is like he's panicking. He's reacting to intruders. That woman, I feel she's reacting to intruders like she's reacting to people who've come into her domain. Justin Long is the one who is like consistently making these like morally abominable decisions, be it, you know, like (laughs) be it like towards like consent, uh, constantly trying to blame his failures on everybody else. Um, just like everything in that movie, he's such a piece of shit. Like, and not only that, like his, when he, when he goes to this, when he goes to his property and it's clearly, it's very clear that, Something bad has gone on there. Like it's crystal clear that something. Oh, there's people's clothes here. Oh, that, that's weird. Like all these doors are unlocked. Like, and he's like m- sizing up real estate. You know, because he, find, he, he, he finds a he finds a murder basement in. He finds a secret murder ba- basement in his house. And his first thought is, 
can I get like a tax break for this extra real estate? That exactly. Well, but but I, exactly. Think, <laughs> like, I, I think an important part of that though is not just the setup of him being terrible, which I really do think, I think people catch on to that. But I think there's the important moment for me isn't just his failure at the end, which sort of highlights that there is no redemption for this character and there, and there cannot be the way he is. It's the moment when he finds the man and then he's horrified. Like I'm a, like, like his attitude is literally like, I'm a human and you're a monster. And I think that's an important part in the film. Cause I think the director is thinking, I don't know, buddy. I don't know. I don't know that you and this guy are that different. Like I just, yeah, like, like they're like there, but for the grace of God, go he like, right, right. That it's, it's yeah, they're, they're- and, and to the point about what's so upsetting about the Richard Brake sequence is the fact that we talk about it, he, that the guy isn't even trying to resemble a functional human being, but he's still right. allowed to escape through society because of how he looks and wh- where he occupies the kind of socioeconomic thing. And just as long as the exact same thing where he's clearly guilty, he should be in jail. Uh, and yet he's still able to kind of skate through these loopholes, even, even with the noose tightening on him as it is throughout the, through the first chunk of his section. He's still able to kind of glide through in a way that he would not be if he was a person yeah. of color, if he if he was not a celebrity. Uh, so the movie is, you know, very bluntly about the different forms of, you know, different kinds of masculine monsters and the way that men are able to victimize people and, and turn and turn their victims into victimizers, too, in the way that the, the mother is kind of. She, you know, she, she's a monster, not through her own fault, but she's you know, obviously causing all kinds of destruction because of what has been done to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's not the most, you know, talking about the movie as like, it's not the most original themes for a movie to, for a horror movie to tackle, but it's doing it in a very, very effective way. And being utterly energetic, like, I also think the important thing to say here that is similar with Malignant, both of these movies are fully aware that while they are doing what they're doing, they should be as entertaining as possible. Mm-hmm. And like, while Barbarian is very brutal at times and um, is maybe a little extreme for some folks to handle, like I definitely I think people- walk yeah, I think some people saw it who maybe didn't know how uh, intense it was, <laughs> it was going to be. That being said, it's never not entertaining at its core, or at least trying to be. I, I, I still think- I still think there's a point where well, it can, feels can. it's a little loose to me, but overall, I just think it like I left the movie not only being surprised by what I saw, but thinking like, wow, that was really a super engaging and entertaining film that I think had some thought behind it. I don't think it was quite didactic or anything like that. It's not like a message movie, but I really think there's stuff to think about in the context of the movie in a very sort of like intense way, you know? I'm very curious to see how that movie will play on a second viewing. I wonder if I agree. Knowing the full picture, if that first section with Bill Skarsgård and her and Georgina Campbell, if all, if if no, knowing that he's fully innocent, there's nothing much going on there. That section will drag. I wonder if the Justin Long section now I will be like, can you please just get to the goddamn house already? Like the movie <laughs> is so it's such a great first viewing as it unfolds. I don't know if, as you said with with um, Liam, you said about Million. I'm not sure if it's going to have the same juice once you know how it all unfolds. But I think it it what what people I don't know if they always acknowledge is it is such a 
examination of the situation we find ourselves in. Like, you know what it made me think of? And I don't know if you guys will get this reference, but there's that part in American Psycho. It's in the movie as well as in the book where uh, Christian Bale's character is at, I don't know, lunch or something. And Reagan's on TV (laughs) and they're talking about how cool Reagan is. And he just fucking laughs. And I think a lot of people, when he starts laughing, they're like, oh, he's having a psychotic break. But that's not really what it is at all. I think the the whole point of the story is that he thinks of himself as this like uber predator, right? That he's this like master predator hunting his prey. And over the course of the movie, he slowly realizes like, no, the whole world is just biased towards me and, and Mm. people like me. And it turns out I'm actually not the biggest fish in the pond. There are people out here. This is more clear in the book. Like in the book, he specifically talks about the woman who's selling his apartment, who cleans up his murder room. And he's like, she's a much bigger predator than I am. Like, (laughs) you know, and I, I think that there's an idea there in American psycho, which is more obvious. That is, it's about the context. It's about the context of going, on well this movie does that for people because i think it is a barometer like the people who watch the beginning of this movie and don't get why it's tense are people who don't understand what it's like to be a woman you know what i mean like oh yeah i I just think like if you have ever felt unsafe with someone which i don't think you have to be um someone who identifies as a woman to feel unsafe but this situation is specifically i think related to his identity as a man uh, I mean, for us, it's partly ident- his identify- identity as Bill Skarsgård, but it's it's also just like who he is. I think her response is related to that. And I think all of us are like, yeah, but he could kill her, though. Like, it's not inconceivable. And I know a ton of people for whom they're like, I wouldn't have gone in the house. Like, my incredulity, I don't know where you guys it was, but for me, it was when he is not being very where he doesn't believe her and he decides he's going to go down the hallway. And then she goes after him. That is the point where I thought, oh, that's where I no longer identify with this character. Because straight up at that moment, I'm like, no, fuck that white boy. Leave the house. Leave him. He's done. One of the things (laughs) I said immediately after seeing this movie to Holly was one of my biggest pet peeves is when people watch horror films and they are like, I wouldn't have done that. You know, if my son got bitten by a zombie, I'd shoot him in the fucking face. It's like you don't you don't know how you would react to any given situation until it actually happens to you. That's a fact. You don't know I what you would that, do. This movie yeah. th- this movie is the first time I could not remove myself <laughs> no. and be, I was like, there is no fucking way. There is n- everyone like, who I, said to me, like, well, I'd go, ch- I'd go check it out to see if he's okay. I'm like, no, why? you wouldn't. Why no, would you, you wouldn't. <laughs> that house would have been on fucking fire as soon as I found the secret door. I mean, well, the even the idea that I, I need to, even the idea that I need to explain it to him, I'd be like, you don't have to fucking believe me. I'm leaving. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm I'm out. I'm I'm gone. It doesn't matter. I'm done here. The one thing that the, the one thing I'll give it, and it, it is is completely insane that she goes in that into that room after him, is that they do have that conversation earlier when they've both been drinking for a little bit, where they talk about the where they talk about the tension between them about the fact that it's different between men and women, and and she says like if our place were reversed and. I was in the Airbnb and you showed up. I would never, ever let you in, but you let me in because guys just, she's yes, like, guys yes. just do stuff and it's going to work out for them. So to me, and then, we, and then she says like, women have to kind of clean up after them. So that sequence is like 
right? Of course, the guy goes down the tunnel, and of course, the poor empathetic woman has to go down and check on him. But Brendan, I, I, but I, Brendan, I like you, and we're friends, and you go down that tunnel, and I'm like, fuck, fuck that. Brendan is dead. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally think if, if if it's if it's my wife or my child, then I'm obligated to go after them. But all Dude, the rest, of I don't all, even know about that. If my niece went down there, I would be like, I don't have a niece anymore. I, I my sister. My, like, I, I, I mean, at this I point too. I don't at this you guys, but I, I, my only thing is, I feel like once you take the first step in, there is things to be like, or like this is so crazy. I have to see how far this goes. I do think that kicks in, but a I don't. Bit. <laughs> but I totally don't. I'm I'm okay with not knowing what lies at the end of the fucking hidden tunnel. I mean, I will say though that that is very much it is so it is very much like the stereotype of the white male that he found that second door and was like, I better go down these stairs and see what's down here. There's no if I'm even let's say let's say I'm in the house, I found the murder room. All the doors are open, so I'm not locked in. And I find that second door to a tunnel downstairs, and I've already seen the murder room. No, I leave. I leave the house. I call the cops. Like there's just no, there's no goddamn way I'm going down those steps. And 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 I get that there are people not like me who would do that. I'm not saying the movie's bad because this happens, but it was the one moment where I agree with you, Justin. I think I know what I would have done. It, you know, zombies. Yeah. Who knows, Freddy? I don't know what I'm gonna do. That second door, no fucking way, man. Fuck you. I don't care if 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 I feel like I'm in a rom com and that second door opens up, I'm leaving. No, the house. dude, I'll, I'm going to tell you a story right now. When I drove across the country in the spring, I stopped at the Mojave Desert lava tube, which is it. It is what it sounds like. There's like a staircase that goes into this like lava tube, and it's like a like a hundred foot long cave you can walk down. And I, I was, st I was standing at the top of this tube and I took a look around and I was like, I can't see anybody. I am the only person for 10 miles. I looked down in that hole and I was like, I'm not going down in that fucking hole. And I walked back to my, and I was so hyped to visit this thing for fucking months. And I was like, I'm not going in the hole. Cause there is clearly uh, a Sasquatch, a fucking crypto terrestrial, both of them just down there. I'm not going down there. Yeah. Are you guys Hannibal viewers? Do you guys like the show Hannibal? Yeah. I watched like the first season, I think. So I, I bring it up only because there's a, there's a moment in the second season where a character who has been long established to be a very smart and thoughtful woman uh, is investigating Hannibal and she finds his murder basement. You know, she's like investigating his house and she finds the trap door that leads to the basement where he keeps his, you know, his victims. And she goes down and she gets killed. And the actress after the show, after she, after she'd been killed off, talked about how I really thought I was dumb that I went down the base. I, I really fought to have my character not do because it's such an obvious thing. And at some point I was just told, it's a horror story. You you know, you have to go down the basement. And I, it, it's it's one of those things we we can pick apart over and over and over again. And if it's a horror movie, they, they have they a character oh, one hundred percent stupid thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't mad it's, at the it's, movie, it's, but it just was a moment I know, where I, I was like, mm. "I know, I know, I know." We're not necessarily document point, it, but it's just one of those things where it's easy as as viewers to be like, "Oh my god, how could you go through the door?" But with the horror genre, it's kind of like, I, there's no movie if they, if, they, if they don't make a dumb decision every now and again. Well, we were and just praising. To, we were just <laughs> praising Suspiria and Inferno, right? And like Inferno <laughs> opens with a girl reads a book about how her house might be the home of witches. 
and her and and her first thought is I better go down the basement. And then when she finds a body size hole that leads to a giant room filled with water, she thinks I should probably dive into this hole of water in the basement of my apartment building in New York City. I'm sorry. I don't think there's anyone in New York who sees a puddle of water and goes, I should put my hand in that, let alone my whole body. That's not a thing, right? But it works because it's Inferno and it doesn't matter. I think I'm in the same place here. Like that is the moment when she goes after him is a moment at which the movie's like, oh, you might have thought this was some, this was one movie, but guess what? It's entirely a different movie. And this is where we're going with it. And I was totally fine with it, but I did think it was funny that that was that 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 moment happened because everything in my being was saying, fuck Bill Skarsgård, get the fuck <laughs> out of the house. So, OK, we've been talking about this. I want to I want to I want to say something real quick about this movie, because it gets a, a lot of the praise around this movie is how upsetting it is and how shocking. Sure. It is. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are a few moments of genuine fear in this movie. Yes. Like there's this, there's the scene where Justin Long's at the end of the hallway and he shines his flashlight down towards the end. And you see the mother briefly come into view and then like retreat from the light. I in the movie theater was doubled over my seat. And I, I made this noise that was like a gag and a cough because I was so upset by that. And I was like, if they show that again, like I'm walking out of the movie theater. <laughs> I mean, it was so fucking eerie. And I like, but it was such a quiet, like restrained scene mm-hmm. that I was like, that was terrifying. Well, even the moment where she comes out of the house, it's so predictable. You know, she's going to come out of the house. Yeah. And yet, and yet here it happens and I'm upset. Like it was scary. And like, there are multiple things in this movie where, I don't know that it was entirely a surprise in the way that other moments were a surprise, but I was still scared. And I, I think there is a tension in the movie. You know, the beginning was for me the most tense because I really didn't trust Bill Skarsgård the whole time. But after that, there are multiple moments that are still very frightening that I really was like, fuck. And I think because the movie has shown itself up to this point to be slightly unhinged, that you really don't know what's going to happen. Like, I just really thought like, okay, how are, I, I know this might resolve in this way, but how are we going to get there? Right? Like even the idea that like, uh, he, in the end, when he gives her up to the mom to save, you know, the mother's quote unquote, to save himself, I knew he would do something like that. I actually had a really strong feeling that was what was going to happen. The way that it happens. I didn't see that shit coming. Like I was just like, fuck. Okay all right, that's how we're going to do this. Okay. And I think that level of surprise is great, but I don't think all the moments that were scary were the surprises. Sometimes I, like I said, I knew she was going to come out of that house, but when she did, I fucking cringed and yelped a little bit. And that's how it is. (laughs) Take that. All right. Any, uh, Brendan, any closing thoughts on barbarian? Well, just in the whole conversation about, about the inferno, (laughs) And 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 characters doing unlike things. It, it, I think a lot of it depends on the reality that the movie establishes for you. So, like in the case of like Inferno Suspiria, those are not movies that take place on planet Earth. They no, are stylized no. at the wazoo. So, when characters, if you complain about characters being unrealistic in those movies, you're kind of being an idiot. I mean, come on, like what are we doing here? Whereas a movie like Barbarian, which is grounded so much in in reality, is trying to, especially in that early scene with Bill Skarsgård. 
they create putting in so much work to justify why she goes in the house, why she sticks around. Like they they create thought through every outcome to try to, to justify that. It makes it hard to buy into those leaps of like, okay, but why would why would this smart person, why would this smart, cautious person now do the stupid thing? So it, it, it's it's almost a place where unreality is much easier to get your hands around your your mind around than a realistic scenario. And it's kind of just, it's a weird line to walk and. They don't, they don't necessarily do a great job in Barbarian, but I think they pull it off enough for them. I, to, I think uh, that's the part, though, where they usher us into the nightmare because there's a number of, right. I mean, I, I got to tell y'all, like, maybe maybe people don't know this. Um, years and years of inbreeding won't actually lead to a giant monster woman. Like, <laughs> we're already in a world. How do you that, know? Have you tried? Uh, look at the British royal family, right? They're, they're gross, <laughs> but they're not that gross. Like... Uh, no, 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 no. I, you are wrong on that. Look at, look at, look at Prince Harry or Prince William. Oh, don't be wrong. They are, in fact, morally monsters. Like they are true, horrible monsters. But the idea that, that, that like everything about this movie makes total sense. I think that for me, when she goes down there, it almost functions as a way to usher me into the next phase of the movie. I mean, even when the end, right? I have to believe that midair, this giant monster lady caught her and put her body underneath and saved her life. It, it's not exactly realistic, but I don't <laughs> give a fuck. And, and, and I think that most people, I think, who do vibe with a movie like this, at some moment you realize like, Okay, we're going into a world that is not utterly unbelievable. No one has superpowers or something like that, but it's not exactly how things would work in the real world. That's okay. It still reflects the real world, right? Because again, uh the there are a number of things happening in this movie that I believe, right? There were people like this scary man who went through the world as predators and a lot of people didn't notice cuz they seemed like normal white guys and it was just like fine. People were just like yeah, that's fine. That's they're fine. That my neighbor, yeah, he's a nice guy, and that person was literally a monster, you know. So it is what it is. All right. Um. So yeah, that's barbarian and malignant. Brendan, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Can you uh, plug the wrap up of Blacks and Dispatches, which I think it's good in a way, but I am going to be so sad when it's over. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be sad that it's over but uh just talk a little bit about your you you wrapping it up and and anything else you want to plug writing wise and stuff like that yeah so for i mean the last several years i've been doing a series on cinepunks called blacks and dispatches it's all uh a series it's you know, kind of started as individual short stories in the kind of shared world it's kind of become a singular narrative uh that for some reason leans into allow me to post monthly uh on, on the website <laughs> Uh, and we've reached the end. We don't, uh, there's about there's maybe four episodes left that are, are going to be published in the next few months, and it, it, it is very much over. It is uh, there, there. There will be no sequel series to the Blacks and Dispatch. It is it is done, uh, and it's very exciting and, and very sad. I am very sad to be have reached the end of this very long and weird journey of writing the story uh, month by month. Uh, and then uh, hopefully there'll be more stuff for me at Cinepunks after that. If Liam continues to allow me to post uh, my my weirdness, of course, of course. <laughs> <For some reason. laughs> uh, so yeah, so you can actually listen to the previous episodes of Black Sun Dispatches and stay tuned for the last few. 
Uh, you can also read my uh, writings over at synapse.co uh, or more movie thoughts. And you can follow me on Twitter at the true brand F where as Liam said, at the top of the show, I mostly just yell about movies and Lord of the Rings all day. So yeah, really that's, that's basically right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Other things too sometimes, mostly Lord of the Rings. <laughs> All right, so you could check out more episodes of this podcast and Black Sun Dispatches and like a bunch of other ones that don't I don't I'm not gonna they can they can plug themselves. <laughs> Twitch of the Death Nerve, a bunch of other ones. <laughs> Cinepunks.com. You can find us on patreon.com backslash cinepunks if you if you want to become a Patreon. Um be sure to check out Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, uh, Mechanical Shark Media, and SX Coffee Roasters at www.xlvac.com, mechanicalsharkmedia.com, and sxcoffeeroasters.com. And until next time, fuck Dr. Oz in the fucking mouth yeah, forever. Fuck him. Let him rot in the sun. And fuck Herschel Walker, too. Yeah. All right, guys. Peace. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!